0: quarter to three games podcast for late September. My name is Tom
1: Chick. My game of the week is not uh, Mage Knight. And I am Skip Franklin. You may also know me as an Effable Bob. And my game of the week, sadly, is still not City of Heroes. Four years since it shut down, and I still miss it.
0: Oh, come on. There are other games. Uh, uh, DC
1: Online. No, was that DC Universe Online? There there is. There's a DC Universe, which I actually have tried, and several others out there, but nothing's ever grabbed me the way City of Heroes did. That's true of all MMOs, not just superhero ones. What was it about
0: City of Heroes? Because I... I don't think I ever played it. I might have booted it up once or twice. But I know there
1: are a lot of people like you that are like, oh, it was special. What
0: What made it special? You know, it's hard,
1: it's hard to say exactly, because it's it's been a while now. And honestly, if the same game came out right now, um, even with updated graphics and whatnot, it still might not bounce off me the same way. You know. Um, but at the right. time, it was the first MMO I had played seriously, and the people I met there were great. In fact, I had... You know, friends in real life who were playing at the time. Also, Um, I I just I just got so totally invested in it that even even if the game had been terrible, I probably would have liked it um, just for that purpose. Uh, Yeah. then that, that's exactly what makes it special, is it was your first one. Sure, absolutely. And then yeah. on top of that, there were things that were specific to it. You know, the, They definitely nailed the superhero feel, and, and they had great grouping mechanics so you could meet people and so on. Um, Guild Wars 2 is probably the closest I've come in terms of being able to just easily get together and do stuff with people. Um, so, yeah, it's, a, it, it, it's one of those things that every once in a while I think about and go, man, I wish that was still around. And then I think, but if it was, I'd never do anything else. So... It all kind of worked out. I feel that way about games that are still around, like Guild Wars
0: (laughs) 2. And I just have to consciously say, I kind of wish Skip, I hate to say this. I kind of wish they'd close Guild Wars 2. Uh, because then I wouldn't be tempted to, to play it, not, not for any I reason.
1: understand the feeling. Um, I, I still, every once in a while, jump back into some other MMOs, things like The Secret World and uh, and Star Trek Online. Mm. And mm-hmm. I could easily get dumped back into those two, um, but I kind of force myself to only go back and look at the new stuff. And then let's, let's go see what else is out there, because there are many other things in the gaming universe. What is the worst MMO you've ever played? Oh, that's, uh, that's tough, because there's so many in the running. Wow. I know, right? <laughs> uh, probably the worst thing I have played is Blade and Soul. It's an action type MMO. So, um, you know, you're doing a lot of ninja or martial arts types maneuverings and it's beautiful. It's it's a Korean based one and it's
0: I was actually going to make a joke and say it, is it, it Korean? It is. Korean it's Korean they're infamous in absolutely. Okay.
1: And it's it's gorgeous and it's actually fun to play right up until you run into all the microtransaction craziness and then you're like, eh, I do not need this.
0: Yeah. You're MMO, you're not good enough to be nickel and diming. Exactly. Me. <laughs> All right, now, let's get off games for a second, because the uh, first question I have, ineffable Bob, that's your name on the
1: forum, what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a, that was a common response. So... One thing that I am heavily into is reading science fiction and fantasy of all kinds. And The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was one of my favorite books, still is, one of my favorite books slash trilogies slash whatever it actually is. Six books, I think. Um, and there's six of them? Uh, there's at least five, and I think there's a sixth one that was written by someone other than Douglas Adams, yeah. So uh, it's been a while since I've read them, but uh, – uh, so, In the Hitchhiker's Guide, in one of the books, there is a place um, where a a primitive people live out in the wilderness, and they worship a deity named Bob. And their priest um, talks about the ineffable will of Bob all the time. And that is where I came up with an ineffable Bob. I needed a handle when I was in college, when I first encountered the Internet, and it just came to me. I'm like... That's what I'm going to be, and it's worked out for 20 some odd years, so sure. Well,
0: that's that's where I, one of the things I wondered is why would you use, know the word ineffable, because I only know it, and this explains it perfectly, uh, why the context, you know it. I, I think I only know it because I went to, to divinity school, like in theology, the word ineffable, of course, is always, like if, if there's some complex theological dilemma, you know, if if God is good, why, are there e- why is there evil in the world? And all these things generally tend to, if you push them far enough, generally tend to, they get boiled down to someone saying, well, it's ineffable, uh, right, which is beyond words. So, yeah, so I wondered how would someone know it outside of a theological context, and it sounds like it's not outside of a theological
1: context. And every once it in a while, exists. I do run across it, right? I'll, I'll be reading something on the Internet, and the word will pop, effable or ineffable, one or the other will pop up, and I'll be like, wow, someone else actually uses this.
0: Now, have you ever actually seen effable? Because I want – like, like what's – like, inept.
1: Like, there's no word. Like, ept isn't really I, a word. Do people actually use effable? I, I've seen it once or twice, and it's probably wrong, right? I mean, it probably doesn't actually exist, and someone's just trying to use it to, like, mean explainable as opposed to unexplainable. Um, it's right, probably right. actually completely inaccurate, but I have seen it.
0: Well, I think it does. I do think it is an actual word, but it just seems like if it's explainable, like why? Well, I don't know, but yeah, it's 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 like it's, it might be like one of those things like flammable, inflammable. Like you don't need the other word, but people use it anyway. Sure, why not?
1: Or they just be confused, yeah. and the and the places I've seen it written are completely and utterly wrong. Who knows? Right. I do love that
0: though when people roll out a word and they clearly don't know it, and they just thought it made it made them sound smart.
1: And uh, <laughs> yeah, those exactly. are all cute.
0: Uh, You're in Michigan. Do you care about uh, the presidential election this year? Does that matter to you?
1: I I mean,
0: your vote kind of doesn't matter like mine. Uh,
1: Absolutely, yeah. It it matters not what I do. Um, I I mean, I care in the sense that I kind of care about the direction the country is going and so on and so forth. But I don't care in the sense that I'm actually out doing something about it. Yeah, it's – now – but you'll vote, right? I mean, like yeah, absolutely. I, I I always vote regardless of how little my vote counts, and it does count very little because where I'm at is deep red country, and I tend to lean liberal. So <laughs> it doesn't matter what Wait, election Michigan I'm in. Is, I thought Michigan was blue. Well, no, no. So, so here's the deal. Where I'm at, I'm, on West, I'm in West Michigan. I live in the Grand Rapids area, um, which is just – Will you do the stupid thing for, for me? Where you uh,
0: tell me where on the hand...
1: Right, exactly, where on the hand... Michigan? We're on the left side of the middle of the palm. Um, uh, so okay, we're, we're okay, almost sure. dead center between Chicago and Detroit, uh, and uh, very close to Lake Michigan. So on the west side of Michigan, everything is deeply conservative. Uh, you know, We always elect Republican representatives and so on and so forth. Um, on the other side of Michigan, where Detroit is... Everything is deeply Democrat and they always uh, elect you know, it's always the blue side of the state. There's more people over there, so in presidential elections, we actually do almost always vote for the Democrat.
0: Um
1: but uh my area, like my region here, will always vote for the Republican. So that there your vote does count
0: then. It's just in a presidential it, election. It only
1: counts in statewide right. elections, exactly. Right. <laughs> Uh, are you from Michigan is that uh, where you are born and raised No um, I actually was must see. I was born in Louisiana and I lived in I counted once I think 11 different states before I graduated high school uh, uh, let me get I'm going to guess uh, military brat No but that's always that oh. well it depends on how you d- define it. So I was born when my dad was in the military, but he got out like six months later. So technically, okay. yes, but not really. What he did after that was he wor- he's a construction uh, or civil engineer, works on large construction projects. And so we would move every year or two around, and sometimes more often, around to wherever the next giant building that he was working on was being built. These are things like power plants or paper plants or uh, once he worked on a recycling facility that burned garbage for electricity, that sort of thing. Things that you would
0: build in SimCity that cost a lot of money. Exactly.
1: Yes. Yeah. Right. (laughs)
0: Uh, Now you became a bona fide, and I'm sure you don't mind me saying this, computer nerd. What was it uh, that made you do that as you were growing up, and then end up doing it as a job?
1: You know, I think it's largely my love of math because I'm uh, my my yeah. My degree is computer science, (laughs) mathematics, double major. Um, I I got into. I'm I'm a math geek as well as a computer geek and uh, mm-hmm. um, the computer specifically my dad bought us a Commodore 64 when I was a kid and you know I played on that and did everything I could possibly make it do that sort of thing but when I went to college I actually was thinking more electrical engineering um, like being electrician that kind of thing I, I enjoyed uh, doing some of that when my parents built a house in high school and I helped them with all all facets of the construction but especially the electrical parts I thought wow this is great. And then I got to college and thought, "Wow, this electrical stuff's kind of—it uh, doesn't really hit me." But man, these computers we're using to do it are awesome. Uh, now, did you uh, were, were games part of this? Not at that time. So, I mean, I did I did some computer gaming, sure, but I never really thought, "Hey, I'd like to work in games." Or uh, games were one of those things that was just kind of on the side. But as I went through it, wasn't like what made computers interesting Correct. to you. That, that yeah. Was, yeah. Okay. But I will admit that as I went through college, that started to change because I discovered, well, first of all, I'd never had any interaction with the Internet until I went to school. Um, I didn't have it at home and whatnot. Um, so once I discovered that there was this online world that you could do all these things in, um, not only did I enjoy that for, the, for its own sake, but also gaming kind of opened up to me when I realized you could interact with people online.
0: Now, I uh, want to ask you about, uh, as a math nerd, because we'll get into gaming in a minute, but as a math nerd, I have a question for you that I was asking a friend of mine. He couldn't answer. I don't even know if there really is an answer for this. I want to throw this question right. at you, Skip. What's the big deal with pi? Like, why <laughs> does it matter that there's some random number, and it's not an elegant number or anything, that describes the relationship of a circumference to a, a radius? Like, Why is that a
1: deal. Who cares for, is that like, you explain to me many thousands of years of human history. It didn't matter in the slightest because you could go, you know, it's about three times approximately, um, you know, the, the the radius, uh, so you could draw a circle or whatever and and get it more or less right. You'd be good. But once we started doing precision engineering, then it mattered a whole lot. If you could get something exactly, um, lined up for, um, you know, the, the, Diameter of like a rod or something, or various things that you were doing that involved that uh, um, uh, that that sort of measurement. Uh, wait, real quick, is it diameter to circumference or radius? Just uh, well, it's, it's radius. Yeah, I mean, okay, diameter and radius are the same thing, just divided by two, right? Uh, so, right, um, right. but so it mattered a whole lot in terms of the real world, um, knowing. Not only pi, you know, three point one four one five, whatever, but knowing it to many thousands or millions of digits, it matters. So you could be very precise and specific about what you were building. Um, and when you're building, for example, a large building, and you need to calculate uh, stresses on it and so on, um, if you are off by just you, you know a very small amount, you, your building tends to fall down, right, <laughs> or have other problems. Uh,
0: I, so you're, I guess, so I, I'm not sure. I realize this. So you're saying that the, the importance of pi. Is more of a for for the application of it. It's more for well, like I,
1: so actual real world uses. I just answered you, just answered you in an engineer's perspective. Okay. That's,
0: yeah, well, that made it yeah. sound like yeah, it's an thing. There's also thing.
1: the pure mathematical perspective of.
0: But it's not pure. It's a, it's a number that it's, it's a, it doesn't <laughs> it's an infinite it's a pointless number that nobody can actually fully calculate. Um, How is that interesting? That's like that's like broken. Like all the cool math things that I hear are like, yeah, this number is always this, and it's always elegant, and it's always this relationship and this ratio. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. There's some beautiful symmetry in nature. But here, it's like, no, it makes no sense. It's and random. From a math
1: perspective, the fact yeah. that it's like that um, makes things work so much more elegantly in other areas. So, you know, if you if you didn't have something like pi, um, then well, let me say that differently. So pi actually allows you to simplify things. And this is true of other irrational things like uh, like e or, um, or like the square root of negative one. That's actually an imaginary number. Those sorts of things allow you to represent what the numbers are actually doing. If you didn't have those things, then everything or not everything, but a large number of things would be like you're describing, weird and irrational and just go on forever and so on. Uh, but you can right. simplify a lot of them by just saying, oh, it's like pi, but three of them, or squared, or whatever. Okay. So it Feels okay, so it does simplify of, it, matters from a mathematical perspective. Now, I will give you a recommendation. That is, huh. if you want to explore this topic in more depth, or even if you don't want to, but just think it would be interesting to hear someone talk about it, I highly recommend you get Dave Perkins from the forums on, because he's a math professor.
0: Oh, no. Oh, yeah. No. Dave Perkins
1: will blow yeah, your and, mind. And, and yes. you will hear things that you would never have imagined.
0: And I think I a- actually have talked to Dave Perkins. I'm not sure, though, that I plumbed math because, uh, yeah, math math scares <laughs> me. I, uh, <laughs> that is not, uh, I actually walked out of my geometry class like on principle in, I think this would have been sixth grade. And for the rest of the, the semester, the term, whatever, I didn't go to that class. I just skipped that class every day waiting to kind of get in trouble. And I never got in trouble for it. But I, I ended up like knowing nothing about geometry. I think that screwed me up on my math uh, career. Like I, it's ter- in terms of math going forward, build, I omitted. It does
1: build up a lot. You're right. And if you miss a step, yeah, then you yeah, tend yeah. to have problems. I'm, I'm surprised that you didn't get in trouble for it. Well, I should have. It was uh, you know, come to think, it was
0: kind of me doing a civil. I, I, the teacher who. Man, I went to school in Arkansas, and the education system in Arkansas was terrible. And the funny thing is, I I went to school for a while in California. I wasn't a military brat. I was a hippie brat. My mom moved around a lot because of that. So I went to my early years of school in California, which was, was a good educational system. Then went over to Arkansas, which was a wretched educational system. And I remember this, this big old black woman named Mrs. Carruthers was the geometry teacher. And I remember once... She got super mad and super put out with some people who were talking in the back of the classroom or whatever, and she sent someone to the principal, and it wasn't the guy who was talking. And I was like, lady, he wasn't the one, or whatever you said. he's not the one who did it. You just got the wrong person in trouble. And she was just like, shut up. And I mean, she was like that rude. So I just didn't go to class the next day thinking, okay, they're going to call me in, and then I'm going to get to explain to them, here's what this lady did, you know, this is wrong. And it just never happened, and because of that, I'm bad at math. She's,
1: she's probably so. thinking, hey, that Tom guy's gone. Great.
0: <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. I don't have
1: to deal with him anymore.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so you then embarked on a career as a computer nerd, uh, helping people with IT. Do you have any good stories about how dumb people are with computers?
1: Uh, every, anyone who's ever worked in IT has some of them. Actually, I, honestly – some of them are about me i mean it's it's so easy to be to do something really incredibly stupid with your computer and and not even realize it until you know it comes back to bite you days or weeks or months later, for example, um the very first laptop I got, um which was uh, terrible, it was huge and clunky, it felt like carrying a suitcase around um, but the very first laptop I got um i of course being re- Recently graduated from college, thinking I knew exactly what I was doing and I, I could do whatever I wanted to. I managed to screw it up to the point that I was unable to log into it and had to actually go to help, go for help to the IT guy at in our office. So that was possibly the most embarrassing moment. And I've I've had a few. Um, the most embarrassing moment of my professional career was yes. I am wait, hold that thought. The the, the other thing, skip.
0: Sometimes doctors have to go to doctors. I don't feel like that you should well, be ashamed of that. Well, there's a difference yeah.
1: between I got hurt and have to go to the doctor, and I just chopped my own arm off and have to go explain to the doctor <laughs> what the hell I just did. Right? This okay. is one of those things. Right? I had screwed with some sort of security setting and maybe some encryption. I don't remember what it was exactly anymore, but I know I I bricked the thing. It was useless, um, and I had to go in and try to explain to this. Long-suffering guy who has to work with all of us who were at the time I was a consultant. So um, I had to explain to him that yes, I thought I knew what I was doing, but I did not at all, and I had screwed this up. And exactly, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But you know, largely being an IT consultant, which I was for almost ten years, and then um, I I went to work for a uh, specific company uh, here in Grand Rapids uh, for the last. Uh, for another five years or so after that. Largely doing that actually had nothing to do with me actually using my computer, you know, using an individual computer. It was more I'm setting up large systems that an entire corporation will use. So maybe if you order something online, I might have worked on one of the systems that's behind that um, doing all the stuff that says, hey, Tom just placed an order. Now we need to go to which warehouse to get it and where are we going to ship it and so on and so forth.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and so did I, I was waiting for a story where you did something embarrassing or uh, really uh,
1: uh, what, what the breaking my computer wasn't good enough uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well here's I want to hear about you bringing down an entire corporation because you forgot to hit okay, return so, so here's, a, so here's a good on one um, uh, it, I I was peripheral to this project I worked on it a little bit I didn't work on this specific instance but uh, this is one of the best stories so um, there's a uh, vitamin uh, manufacturer, or not manufacturer, but retailer. So they have little stores around in various places. Um, and you go to buy, you know, your, your supplements or, or whatever. Uh, and they had a store in New York City. Well, we were doing back-end integration between several of their systems, and it had to do with how much stuff was sent to each store, right? So you send X number of boxes to this store of vitamins and X number of boxes to this other store and so on. Well, somebody made a mistake in the integration that multiplied by 10, the number that arrived at a particular store. So this store, which is in Manhattan, right? So there's not a lot of extra space. This store got 10 times as much as they were expecting. So they had boxes everywhere. They had, you know, boxes of items stacked up in the sh- uh, by each shelf and out where the customers were and, and all over the place. And, you know, the truck, was, the, the truck probably left with some because there just wasn't room to put them all. So they had all this stuff. And... right. Like an hour or two later, while they were still trying to figure out what they were going to do with all of it, an hour or two later, some lady lost control of her car and plowed through the front of the store and hit all these boxes. Whoa. So... It actually probably saved some people's lives, right? Because otherwise, had not been there, then it would have gone. Then the car would have gone even further and, and crashed through and destroyed all sorts of extra stuff. So since then, you know, the, the team was, uh, you know, first of all, they were mortified that they would made the mistake. It cost you know thousands or millions of dollars to the company to do all this stuff. But on the other hand, you could say our integration saved lives because had all if I was stuff. telling that story, yeah, if that,
0: would that, I would call that story uh, the power of the because you're adding an extra zero there. <laughs> you think zero is nothing, but it matters. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now that, by the way, getting math nerds talking about like the importance of zero—that's the sort of thing that yeah, I can understand that. I I, I love that sort of thing. Uh, but still, pi. Although you did help, that does kind of explain things with pi. Um, like, so uh, you you got to travel a lot as a, as an IT dude. You didn't just sit in one company's computer room. You got to go around a lot. Uh, When you traveled, did you get to see much of the places you went to, or was it the sort of thing – for instance, I went to Stockholm recently. Everyone was like, hey, super cool. You get to go to Sweden. But no. I landed at the airport, got driven to the hotel late at night. The next morning, I went up. I got up. was in an office all day. Then maybe got to have dinner at some place, and that was cool. But the whole time I was there, it was pretty much – I wasn't in Stockholm so much as I was in another company's office
1: Absolutely. Building. I, I completely understand. And I had plenty of those situations. But I did get a decent amount of seeing places, largely because the way I would travel... Well, first of all, if I was on a short-term assignment, then it was exactly like you described. Right? If I was only there for a day or two, well, then there's nothing you can do, really. You, you just Maybe you see a restaurant, and that's about it. Um, but right. largely, I was on projects that would at least last like a month and sometimes they were longer you know six months a, a year ever ah, and so right. if you're there for a decent extended period of time you know maybe you'll stay over a weekend every once in a while so you'll do yeah. like a two-week stay or um uh, maybe you'll uh, it, even if you're there for long enough then you get a, a a free evening every once in a while that sort of thing that you can go out and do stuff so i, I did get to see a decent amount of um Well, first of all, this country, because when I was – my consulting days, I was almost entirely here in the U.S. Um, And then when I went went to work for, like I said, a company here in Grand Rapids, well, they're a global company, and so I did some traveling around the world to visit some of the rest of their uh, facilities. So especially when you're doing international travel – you almost never go for like three days, right? You almost always go for at least a couple of weeks. Um, And then you have a weekend in there, and a lot of times you get a chance to see some stuff. So, yeah, I got to do um, a decent amount of sightseeing. Um, Sydney, Australia, and uh, around Auckland, New Zealand are probably my favorites. So before you talk about your favorites, I
0: want to hear why those are your favorite. What was one of your least favorite cities to go to? Uh... I, I want to hear some trash talk, Skip, about some city you didn't
1: You like. know, this is this is a cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway, and that is I really did not like much of anywhere in New Jersey I went.
0: <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to
1: say it uh, because I know everybody trash talks New Jersey, but I, I think there's a reason. Um, I, I would fly into Newark and then drive down to uh, – um, boy, the name of the town escapes me. Um, I know Elizabethtown was near there. Um, uh, New Brunswick um, was, was a place I went, but it, it, there was just – so there was there was little other than just city and uh, you know a lot of rundown city and so on. Now, I understand that there are much better places in New Jersey. I just never went to them. Mm-hmm. right
0: all right will you just made Chris Christie first. yeah,, it happens uh, so Australia and New Zealand you liked uh what's the deal with those places? why would you why what made those places cool well? First of all, I guess you didn't have to know it was yeah, that. Yeah,
1: that, that helps, help. right? Um, although there, there are definitely misunderstandings that can happen, um, but uh, for the most part, if they speak. Uh, for the most part, we can understand them, and they can understand us. Uh, first of all, let me say that if you're thinking of going there, it's a great idea. Just expect the trip to suck because going and coming, flying 14 hours or whatever it is on a plane is no fun. But once you get there, then it's great.
0: Now, real quick, I want to stop you there. When's the last time you had to do that, Skip? Like, you, right now you're retired, which is fascinating. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But when is the last time you had to do a 14-hour plane trip? Because, well, about, has
1: that been something you've no, done it's, recently? About, it's been about five years. It's been a while. But, but when okay. I did it, um, for about three years, I was doing one of those every couple of months.
0: So, because I guess if you're constantly doing them, but I I find that... It, it's so easy, like with the, even, who ne- even needs the in-flight entertainment these days when you've got an iPad or, or a laptop? Uh, when I had to do it recently, it, it just went by, you know, like that. I just had a game I really liked. I had a book I wanted to finish. Uh, I even brought along a couple movies, never even got around to watching those. Uh, there are just so many portable And not even necessarily time wasters. I mean, books can be edifying, of course, certain computer games. There are just so many things you can do that are portable that will completely absorb your attention and keep you occupied. Uh, So I was expecting to dread it. And it's definitely uncomfortable, the stupid seats and whatnot. Uh, But as far as the tedium of a long flight... For me, I just don't think that exists anymore. And, and I,
1: think, I think you're right, um, because I found the same thing, that I, I could find things to occupy my attention. But I think that uncomfortable feel that you're talking about, I think it multiplies as you do it more often. <laughs> so, right, right. So yeah. the more often you fly these long-haul trips, the more often you think, man, I remember how badly my back felt after the last one, You know that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So, okay, so you're, you're saying uh, yeah, the, the trip sucks if you're thinking of going uh, to Australia but or New Zealand. Being the there
1: is great. But. So uh, um, mm-hmm. both of them are places that, uh, well, first of all, they're just beautiful in terms of just, you know, uh, natural beauty. Um, I, I went uh, to uh, Sydney, Australia, um, and I've heard good things about it, other parts of the country that I didn't get to, um, and then Auckland, New Zealand. Um, and in both cases, uh, I mean, I, I spent a couple of days just uh, in both Uh, cases just going around the area, around the city, out to some, uh, park type areas, those sorts of things. And they're just gorgeous. Um, so that's, uh, that's one thing. If you're an outdoors person, you can definitely find something uh, of great interest to you there. Um, Sydney in particular has all kinds of interesting attractions as well. Um there's an area called Circular Quay which is basically a um uh, the harbor area um that has all kinds of restaurants and uh um shops and things along those lines that are just uh um great to explore. Um you've got uh, the Sydney Zoo, um is a, a world-class facility. I I Got to go through there uh, spend a day out there um, they 've got these uh, little uh, boats you can take around uh, to kind of show you the sights and uh, do sort of a tour on the water kind of deal um, all of that was just a uh, was just a great experience, so I spent probably um, like I said, it was a good two or three years where I was traveling down to that area of the world pretty regularly. And, uh, I probably only got about three total weeks worth of actual vacation time in there because the rest of the time I was working. Um, but, uh, but all the time that I spent there, I, I really enjoyed. What makes a zoo a good zoo? Uh, well, variety helps, right? You don't want to go to someplace and it just has like two animals. Um, uh, also, uh, at least in the Sydney zoo, um, The way it's built, it's actually built on a hill, which is kind of weird. Normally, it's kind of flat, so you can walk around. Um, This one's built on this this fairly steep hill, Um, and they have this interesting little system where you can show up at the bottom, but then you take a tram thing to the top, and then they have paths – marked for you to kind of go side to side back down the hill and see. Ah, things. so like you're going downhill, which is the, it. it yeah, it makes it, the, with and, the walking much yeah, easier, Yeah, and, and just, just little things like that are great. And and um, the Sydney Zoo has, of course, all the interesting Australian animals, right? So you get to see koalas, although in my case, I saw a koala and just kind of looked at it because it didn't do anything. Um
0: I, don't, I think that's kind of the case for koala. Like they're not like dynamic. They, I can't imagine koala. They're not like
1: panda bears. You exactly. Have, they they tend them, like rolling they around. They tend to just kind of uh, hold onto their tree, and that's what they do. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you got all kinds of stuff like the kangaroos, and uh, there was an entire section of nothing but poisonous spiders, uh, which is uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but all sorts of uh, all sorts of interesting things that uh, I mean you might see one in a zoo here, but it would be kind of out of its element and, and not really. Uh, uh, whereas down there um they know exactly what what each one needs and they have i I think i saw like six different types of kangaroo all in the same spot so uh, stuff like that is just uh it's really interesting to me and i I enjoyed seeing it what do you call there's a quiz for
0: you skip what do you call a baby kangaroo i always called it Roo because of winnie the pooh ah (laughs) yeah but that's not, it's like a bear is a cub, uh, though. I believe this is a word specifically for a baby kangaroo. I think I know this. You know this. I'm going to say Joey. Yeah, isn't that true? I don't know if that's just a,
1: a prank that Australians are perpetrating on this. That one of long-term memory uh, because it's been a while since I've thought about baby kangaroos. But yeah, well, Australians have strange names for everything, so uh, that is not, it's not much of a surprise to me. Can you do an Australian accent? Not in the least. No, absolutely. In fact, they would laugh at me when I would try, the, the, the folks from uh, both Australia and New Zealand, who, by the way, if you ever get them confused, that is a horrible thing. Like, do not ever, like, guess if you're know, like, hey, you sound kind of like you're from New Zealand. If, you, if they're actually from Australia, oh, that, that's a horrible, horrible social
0: interaction. The, the, my favorite way to prank them is to uh, imply that New Zealand is just like a province of Australia. Yeah, that, that,
1: no, no Kiwi would uh, would let you get by with that one.
0: Right, like, like you have Queensland, the Northwest Territory, New Zealand. Those are all yeah, part, parts of Australia. Yeah, that's, a good, that, that's a good way to get
1: smacked, yes. <laughs>
0: um, uh, you've also been to places uh, – you mentioned India, Japan, uh, Malaysia. Uh, isn't it w- – I, I find it kind of refreshingly intimidating as a way of seeing what it's like for other people to live and for a lot of immigrants to go someplace where I don't speak the language. Like it is it is singularly daunting uh, and, and humbling and scary, I, I think, and a valuable lesson to know, okay, this is what it's like, and we're lucky that we speak English, but uh, as much as that can be uncomfortable, I, I – I think it 's important to experience that like w- when you 're in a room and everybody 's talking and you have no idea what they 're saying
1: yeah and, and uh, more than more than just that of uh, you know, kind of the, the fish out of water feeling that you 're describing, um, more than just that just seeing. It's one thing to see on a TV screen or on the news or whatever um that there is poverty in the world and, and places that aren't as uh, as fortunate as we are here but to mm-hmm. be there is a whole different experience yeah. and and especially when I went to India because uh, uh we went to Kolkata which is the most populous city in the world you know as you see or at least it was at the time I don't know if it still is um but there were literally people living in the streets um because there were so many people so little room um and, and and so little in the way of amenities and um, and, and housing and so on and so forth. Um, and it was, it, it, it was an eye opener to, to go there and see that, yeah, people really do live this way. And uh, you know, there's, and there's not really a whole lot you can do about it um, in terms of, uh, you know, trying, you, you can see someone who's in trouble or who is obviously uh, living in great poverty, but there's not a whole lot you could do um, right then and there to, to to fix anything, um, and it's kind of a helpless feeling. So um, it, it, I I I can't say I recommend it exactly. It's not a great feeling, but it certainly gives you perspective. and uh, And I appreciate my time to be able to go and, and see those things, and and it gave you gives, gives you a deeper understanding of what is happening in some other places in the world.
0: Uh, I believe in Buddhism. There's this uh, this sort of mythology about young Buddha being born in a, a palace or something, and his, his father trying to protect him from the world and not wanting him to, you know, wanting him to grow up happy and insulated from from terrible things. And amongst the Buddha's formative experiences were, uh, I think, going out and seeing, like, the first poor man, the first sick man, yep. uh, and th- this became a huge part of, you, you know, why Buddha became who he was. Uh, and I think that that's exactly what you're getting yep. at there, is... Don't don't you know? It, it's important that we're not sheltered from how bad some people have it, and that that's a that's a that's a facet of the world. Absolutely, and and,
1: and the actual experience far outweighs reading or watching or whatever um, from a distance.
0: Yeah, seeing some
1: commercial yep. or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: all right, let's uh, as as uh privileged folks who live in North America, who don't have to deal with that very often, who have the luxury of just being able to faff about for hours at a time on a computer. Let's talk about some computer. Games. All right. Uh now, when uh w- when folks are on this podcast, they're asked what's one game you would want to talk about? Uh I hope you're okay with this, but you picked a game that I actively don't like. Huh. So, this is going to be like uh, I think you're younger than me, you may not realize this, but there's a there was a show called crossfire actually you know there's a show called I, Crossfire I remember this is, yes. yeah, yeah, and they would always have you know there 'd be the poor guy in the middle, but it was always like you know Bob Novak and Michael Kinsley or the, they 'd be at each other you know here 's an issue, and they both think the opposite thing uh, go. So you and I might be doing this about your and, and
1: and that's okay because honestly, if you get people who love a game together, a lot of times you don't <laughs> you don't really get a whole lot of information about the game. You know, right. they'll just be saying, "Oh yeah, it was wonderful because I did this and this and this and the other thing." And someone who doesn't know the game or doesn't play it very much or even doesn't like it is going to have no frame of reference for that. Uh, for that, whereas if you disagree, then you tend to talk about every facet of the game sometimes in great detail. Good. Good. So we're, we're
0: going to then definitely take opposite perspective. Now, before we get into it, you need to establish for me your bona fides in terms of, I guess, tabletop games or deck builders or that sort of thing. Uh, the game, I guess, we'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag, is – well, anybody who saw the title of the podcast knows – is uh, Cthulhu Realms, uh, which is made by, I believe, isn't it one of the folks who did Star Realms teaming up
1: with someone yeah, else? Yeah, so – you know? um, Darwin Castle designed them both. Um, he's the, he was the lead designer on both, and I think...
0: Oh, that's a dude's yeah, name? Yeah, that, that's the
1: guy. Um, I
0: thought it was like the company's no, name, Darwin so Castle? That's, that's, an actual,
1: that's an actual guy. Um, and then I believe there are some other members of the team also. Um, I, I'd have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure there are some other members of the team that were the same as well. Um, the... I love that name. I just assumed it was a developer. Dar- oh, man, I wish I was Darwin <laughs> Castle. And then also That's there's awesome. a there's a company thing behind it too. So Star Realms was developed by White Wizard Games and published, and they basically own the whole thing. They do the whole kit and caboodle. Um, whereas Cthulhu Realms, um, there's another company who the name escapes me at the moment. I'd have to look it up um, that actually owns the rights to. Doing card games for Cthulhu, um, whatever, you know, whatever that works with intellectual property, and so White Wizard actually partnered with those guys to do the game. So it, it's a um, there are very very much similarities between the two. We'll probably talk about that a little later um, and, and get into that, but uh, um, but they are separate both from the perspective of being different games, but also because there's a company divide there, a publisher divide, right?
0: Now, uh, I I don't doubt that, you know, the publisher probably specializes in in Lovecraftian stuff, but if I'm not mistaken, all Lovecraft is public domain. Like, that's one of the reasons it's so common, uh, is anybody can – like, Cthulhu isn't trademarked, Sathagua, the (laughs) Mego, like, all that stuff is public domain, anybody can use it. Some – Companies
1: specializes so, in it more yeah, than so others. Yeah, so maybe that's how it works. Like yeah, I said, I don't know the details, um, but uh, but I do know that there was a partnership there in order to make that work, as opposed to Star Realms, where it's all White Wizard. Right, right, right. Uh, so before we get into those, then, uh, w- what's your
0: experience with these kinds of games, both in terms of their physical and digital versions? What kind of is this? Is this a genre you're really into, or is this your main exposure? To so, it? me
1: personally, um, the uh, Getting into Star Realms, I don't know, a year or so ago, um, was how I really started getting into playing these sorts of games one-on-one, like, you know, doing it on, you know, you can get your uh, tablet out and do it on an app, or you can play one-on-one with people in person, whatever. However, for many years, many, many years, probably close to 20 um, before that, um, I had been doing these sorts of games as sort of a group multiplayer exercise, Um, so... I mean, there's tons of these, right? There's uh, games like Legendary, um, or uh, there's a Middle-Earth version that's a deck-building type of game. Um, There's lots of these that you can play around a table, and you're more or less, everybody is more or less playing against the game, right? You're trying to defeat a a single bad guy, or you're trying to get the ring to Mount Doom, or, you know, whatever the case may be of of these sorts of games. Um, And you have a and it's the same deck building theme, right? You've got a uh, everybody is trying to build up their deck, and there's usually one winner at the end, whoever has the best uh, set of cards or whatnot. But overall, it's it's more of a cooperative gameplay where you know everybody can lose if you let the bad guy go for too long or that sort of thing. So I've been doing that for many, many years with a, a group of guys uh, here in Michigan that uh, we get together and uh, and play those games a lot. Um, so I hadn't really done it outside of that group setting until I picked up Star Realms. Um, but uh, I've done a lot of that multiplayer sort of cooperative gameplay um, in deck building. Hey. Have you guys played
0: the uh, uh, Legendary, the the Aliens
1: version? We have not played the Aliens version. We have both the, the original Legendary and the whatever the villain expansion is. I can't remember the name off the top of my head.
0: Oh right, weren't they? Uh, wasn't it like superheroes? Like a Marvel? Yes, thing yes.
1: Or... Yeah, yeah we've yeah, not right, done right. the Aliens one. No. Why haven't you played the aliens one? That's the good one. I, I could not tell you. I, I don't. Uh, I'm not the guy who actually owns those particular games. So whoever it is, you know, Mike hasn't bought them yet. That's why we haven't played them. <laughs> okay, uh, Mike, if you're listening, get on it,
0: aliens. I actually haven't played the superhero ones, but I think the aliens one. Uh, do, do any of the superhero ones have a traitor mechanic? Like where one of the one of the characters uh, actually wins by like defeating oh, everyone else no, by screwing no, everyone No, not else the ones
1: we played. Life. No, so that, that does sound interesting.
0: So yeah, I like it, and it's an optional bit, but it, it's basically adding a Burke character sure. into the, the mix, where there's somebody who's working right, for the corporation right. and is just trying to kill everyone. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I like the Aliens one a lot, uh, but I haven't tried the other ones. Uh, the the Middle Earth one, uh, have you played? Because there's another, there's a DC themed version of, and I forget it might even be called it might even be called something super generic like Middle Earth the Card Game or DC the Card Game. Uh, do you know what I'm talking, you're talking about? Are the living you know card ones? games?
1: Because uh, I have...
0: No, 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 no. Good no, Lord, okay, no. This are... is a uh, self-contained box that plays much like the Aliens game, where you, you pick which superhero you are, and you're all drawing and buying from the same deck. Uh,
1: okay, so apparently not. The the, the Middle-Earth ones that we've played, uh, there's two. There's one that's the Hobbit uh, version, and one that's the Lord of the Rings version, and they're both kind of based on the movies. You know, they use pictures, stills from the movie films, and those sorts of things. Those are the ones we play out. So these, other, these sound like something different. Right, right. Okay. Uh, and when you came
0: to Star Realms, was it the actual physical card game or was it, was it uh, the, the video game? I
1: actually did the app first. So uh, I played okay. the app first of Star Realms and then, of course, once I played that, I said, wow, this is great. And so I convinced uh, some of my um, buddies to buy we, – <laughs> we bought three packages of the original Star Realms because each one is only two players. So we bought three of them, mixed them all together, and played that as a big multiplayer. And it's a very different experience. And the same thing holds true for Cthulhu realms. So we can get into that a little later as to how the single player versus multiplayer works. Um, but uh, so I, I kind of cross pollinated there, right? I found a, uh, I found one I liked one on one, and moved it back into the multiplayer area as well. Oh, skip that. Sounds like a mess though.
0: Like I, I know that it's supposed to work that way, but. Like, doesn't everybody just gang up on the one guy and then finish him off? Yeah. And isn't it just, like, pouncing on people
1: one at a time? Right. So, or? actually, so let's talk about that a little bit, because this is something I think that's a problem with multiplayer games in general, right? Um, if you are doing some sort of just giant free-for-all thing, it doesn't really matter what game you're playing. It's, it's true of almost anything. Uh, you do tend to end up with either one person getting picked on, or you end up in a situation where everybody's kind of holding back and trying not to piss anybody off, and so you end up plinking everybody down a little bit at a time until somebody's weak enough that they can be jumped on, like, you know, the weak gazelle out of the herd, and everybody, kills that person. Um, One thing that Cthulhu Realm specifically does is they have different multiplayer rules than any other game like this that I've ever played. There may be others out there, but this is the first one I've ever played like this, where you don't choose who you attack, so that prevents you from doing things like, I'm going to go attack, you know, I'm going to kill Bob because I don't like him, you know, or whatever. It prevents you from doing those things. Or I'm going to go after Tom because he's been building up and I know he's dangerous. Well, I can't do that because it's not my choice who I attack. Um, the way it works is, in any game with more than three players, you attack automatically, however much damage you're doing, you automatically attack the person to the left and the person to the right of you. That's it. You you can't choose to uh, target anybody else. You just automatically do that damage based on however much you've gotten out of your hand that turn. But you're choosing, choosing right. No, now? actually it does both. So if you oh you come up oh with 10 damage, then they both take ten. And so what that does is, first of all, it, it takes the politics out of it, right, because you don't choose. And secondly, it also makes the game go a whole lot faster than these multiplayer things usually do. A lot of times they take forever to finish because, you know, it, it takes a long time to either build up enough to kill somebody or a lot of times people are just afraid to extend themselves and uh, and uh, leave themselves open for somebody else to come after them. Well, you don't have that problem <laughs> because you're always attacking every turn whether you like it or not. And because you're doing the damage to two different people, it moves the game along quite a bit quicker.
0: But you're ta- – well, I was going to say this is true of everyone, so it doesn't – but you're, you're being attacked by two people. Like you've got two people attacking yep. you. But uh, that's true of everyone, yep. so that, that doesn't – okay, yep. that makes sense. Uh, you made me think of – uh, so, so did you ever get into like Magic the Gathering, or it sounds like I, you weren't into like collectible cards. I play,
1: uh, I, I have in the past I played them a lot, and now I play more casually, but yes I do still play.
0: Did you ever know one called uh, Jihad, oh. which is an <laughs> unfortunate name, that was eventually retitled Vampire the Eternal Struggle?
1: Absolutely I, I did, yes.
0: Because I loved in Jihad is it had that same relationship, is you're trying to bleed, or you're you're basically attacking the guy on your left, and defending yourself from the guy on your yep. right uh and there's this kind of daisy chain round robin uh where I can't attack the guy on my right you know he is going to be at my throat and I can't do anything back to him all I can do is attack the yep. guy on, on my left and with the different kinds of decks you would build, the dynamics of who's sitting next to whom would be a huge determinant in what kind of game you were playing. Uh, I love that. And that's Jihad. even a
1: little more, uh, that, that's a little more flexible than what I just described with Cthulhu Realms. Um, of course, Jihad was a much more complicated game. Um, but, uh, uh Because that also would allow you to do things like, hey, I'm going to help the guy who's sitting to the right of the guy that I'm attacking me because it'll help if he kills him. Those sorts of things. Well, you can't do that so much in Cthulhu Realms. There's very little opportunity for that kind of second order attacking or second order helping somebody else out. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, the... uh, both Cthulhu Realms and
0: Star Realms, and this is kind of an issue that... Well, we'll talk about this. They have a very uh, more limited, like, gameplay vocabulary. There are are fewer verbs about what you can do. The the dynamics of them. Uh, Jihad's super complex. Uh, Yeah, so... uh, But but still, I I like that structure. I was also thinking of uh, Cosmic Encounters, which is a very old game, but still holds up in certain ways, where you would have to draw a card, and that's the player you would attack. Like, there was a deck with each player's color, but that's just
1: random, right? Like right. that's kind of, well, and we have like, tried similar, uh, versions of that, uh, ways to, ways to do yeah. things like that. Like, uh, um, sometimes you, you know, you roll some dice or whatever, and, uh, you know, if, People who had the highest numbers uh, kind of grouped together and the lowest numbers grouped together, and you'd play sort of a team battle. We've done various things like that, and sometimes we'll play, you know, sometimes we'll actually play a game like Magic where, um, you know, instead of doing a free for all, because again, it takes forever, um, we'll do something like that where we'll say, okay, we're going to do hunting this time. So everybody randomly chooses somebody else's name, but you don't know who has yours, right? (laughs) So you know who you're supposed to attack, but you don't know who's coming after you, that sort of thing. Um, that, That does make them. More interesting multiplayer experiences, man. That I would hate that because because everybody's going to go after the guy who they think knows the game best, right? <laughs> or has the best. Uh, I'm not saying these are all great ways to do multiplayer. I'm just like we, we've tried them, and sometimes <laughs> they work, and sometimes they don't.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, I, I just think I, love, uh, I play a lot of board games as, as well, but I'm always the guy who uh, who owns the board game and teaches the board game. So I feel that that's very unfair to me because everyone always assumes I know it best and they're like, oh, well, obviously attack Tom. It's his game. He's the one who taught us how to play it. He's the best at it. Any game where someone can single out who to attack, I always feel like I'm going to be on the losing end of that because everyone (laughs) assumes... Clearly, you're the biggest threat. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, um, uh, uh, a lot of board game discussions and tabletop game discussions... Uh, make me think of my favorite, eh, one of my top three favorite board games, and how it handles these sorts of dilemmas. So I just want to briefly get in a plug for this, and then we'll go to Star Realms and Cthulhu Realms. Uh, one of my favorite board games, and I love deliberately mispronouncing the name of it just to bug people. So uh, uh, there, there's a game called Archipelago, where it handles this idea of ganging up on someone who's a winner. Uh, by doing two things. It has secret victory point conditions. There's one public victory point condition that's a card that's dealt up. So everybody knows, okay, that's going to get us a certain number of points. But then, everybody has a face-down card that only they can see. And that card is going to score for everyone at the table. So basically, if we're playing a three-player game, we all know that one victory condition, but there are three of them that are secret to each player. So in that situation each player only knows his own and the public victory condition. Basically half of the scoring in a three-player game is invisible to that person and they don't know. They just have to infer from what the other player is doing what the condition might be or they just have to cover all their bases. Uh, So in, in that way you don't know who's winning. And then furthermore in Archipelago everybody also has a secret end game condition. Uh, And you therefore only know one, you know, if there's three players, you only know one of three ways that the game can end. Like uh, if a certain number of these things are built or if a certain number of these cards have been purchased. Uh, So not only can you not always be sure of who's winning, but you can't always be sure of when the game will end and therefore who needs to be stopped when. Uh, I love that kind of blind uh it, by basically just blinding the players to certain elements uh it prevents that sort of ganging up uh and it's a great catch up mechanic because you never have to catch up because you don't know who's winning right.
1: and you uh, might also you might stumble into doing better than you think you're doing because you might accidentally <laughs> get someone else's victory condition right
0: i will say i've resented the times i've lost that game because the other player accidentally did the same thing did the thing uh, that i gave the right, points right. for and they did it because they sucked at game. <laughs> it's like playing poker with somebody who doesn't know how to block. So, yeah. Uh, so maybe that's not a good
1: idea, what Archipelago <laughs> Well, it can be good and bad, like anything else, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, but I do like yeah. the idea of knowing where you're going, but not entirely sure that where the other people are.
0: And, and when you get, again, one of the beautiful things about Archipelago is that it plays very differently once you're played once you with players who've played a few times because then there's a psychological element of bluffing, right. of making people think you have a different victory condition to force them to waste their resources chasing something that isn't going to get them any points. Yep. Uh, and that's just – that's true of a lot of games is they get so much richer once somebody – when you're playing with people who know the systems, who know the game well. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, so Star Realms, uh, Cthulhu Realms. Let me get right off the bat to my main problem with them, because uh, I want—because I might be wrong about this, and if I am, I, I want to know. To me, you know, they use different terms, but they have the same basic gameplay rules. They are mechanically so similar. And
1: that just that just feels cheap. Well, me. that is definitely true. That they are very very similar. Um, they use very much the same mechanics, and uh, again, as we mentioned earlier, they have the same designer, so that's part of the reason why. Um, but uh, I, it, Cthulhu Realms does feel in a lot of ways like a reskinning of, of Star Realms with just a different uh, different theme um, uh-huh. as, as you start to play it. Um, and there's, I don't, uh, you know, I don't deny that whatsoever. Um, I will say though that as you, pl- after you've played it a while, you start to realize that no matter how closely they may look the same, and some of the cards even do almost exactly the same thing, um, mm-hmm. the in Cthulhu realms they've done a much better job of, I guess balance is the right term, although that's not entirely accurate for a deck builder, um, but uh, uh, of balancing how the cards work together um, or uh, for, so let me give you an example in Star Realms right. almost everything at least in the current game um, almost everything is based on the faction you're in so if you have right. red cards Machine Cult um, then they're going to work well with other red cards and that's more or less it there might be a couple exceptions but almost exclusively if you have red you want more red um, with Cthulhu Realms, that's not always true. There are some things where certain cards that are in the uh, the, the yellow color um, actually work very nicely with some of the green colored cards. Um, and as you play through there, sure you can do well by just saying I'm going to take all the yellow ones I can get and, and make them work together. And there's a lot of stuff that works has synergies there. But there's also some where if you grab a couple of greens and work them in with your yellows, then you're going to do a whole lot better than if you'd just gone with yellow by itself. Um, And I think that's a better balance um, in Cthulhu Realms than what they have in Star Realms. Is
0: it true that when you're playing Star Realms or Cthulhu Realms, and I'm asking you, I mean, I'm a dilettante with both of them. I've played them, but I'm I'm not, not to the point where... Uh, like people, it's amazing to me, you mentioned Dave Perkins before, people who really know games like Star Realms and Cthulhu Realms, uh, Dave Perkins with a game called yes. Ascension, which is very <laughs> similar. Uh, some people might say, oh, there's too much luck of the draw. But to watch someone who really knows a game and who really has skill at it uh, is a pretty amazing thing. Um, but with Cthulhu Realms and Star Realms, is it true that when you play, you always basically want to pick two colors and just get those colors?
1: That is Generally true, yes. Um, it, it's okay. it's very difficult to win or to do well um, at all if you have um, all four, in the case of Star Realms, um, colors. Cthulhu Realms actually only has three, um, but like I said, since there's some synergies that go across them, um, there, there are more than just three ways to play or... or attempt ways to attempt to build your deck um but anyway yes if you if you go into three colors or worse if you have all four then a lot of times you're just drawing cards that don't match up at all um you know the the
0: work or even just one. Like some people, I think hold out for. Uh, I'm only going to get red cards. I'm going to play this game as machine cult. Like that, you're not supposed to do that, that right? That's like almost that, that, because that, that there,
1: there aren't that many cards. <laughs> a lot of times, you just won't have an option of buying more red cards. There won't be any. Right. Right. Um, so yes, you almost always pick two. Um, but uh, and picking more than two, you might have one or two cards of a third color. But if you have, uh, or even a fourth color. But if you have more than just a, a few outliers outside of your two primary colors, then you're probably going to have a, bar- a hard time. Now, actually, so you've completely... I, like, I think this is an
0: excellent point that a dilettante like me would have missed. This idea, like, the, the the interplay amongst the colors. Can you give me an example? And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but now I'm really curious. Can you give me an example of a card in Cthulhu Realms that specifically references a color other than itself?
1: Uh, well, yes and no. So I think I can only think of one card that actually has the other color on it. But there are many cards that have things the other color tends to do. uh, Right, like abjuration or something. So the example example I like to use is um, there are several um, green cards. Um, One of them uh, is a location that's particularly good um, that get bonuses if you have discarded a card or caused a discard during your turn. And green doesn't do that. And that's not something that green normally does. There might be one green card that does it, but there's very few green that you can't hardly do it in green. But in yellow, you do it all the time. So if you have a couple of these green cards that get bonuses for discard, then it behooves you to also have a yellow card or two in your deck, or more than one or two, um, so that you are commonly, most of the time, you're going to discard a card or cause your opponent to discard a card during your turn, so you then get the benefit with the green card. Even though green doesn't do that, those green cards have um, abilities that get better if you cause discards.
0: Now I want to know what that green card is. <laughs> Can you really? Not yeah. Think so, of it? so
1: there's there's several um, that work. I I can't think of one off the top of my head. Uh, that's uh, I think it's Ruins if I remember correctly is the name of the card um, that uh, you draw a card if you've if you've discarded a card during the turn then the Ruins is a location that allows you to draw a card. Um, that, okay. That's that's the that's an example. Now there's another one. There's a purple card called High House in the Hill, which that's the one that I can think of that actually has other colors on it. So it's a purple card, but it says if you've also played a green, then you can do something. Um, okay. and, uh, that's, like I say, that's uncommon. It usually doesn't explicitly say that. Um, but, uh, there are other purples that also do similar things where, it'll it'll say if you've abjured a card this turn, then you get to do something extra, and that's on a purple card. Well, purple doesn't do abjuring for the most part, but green does. So if you have purple cards that have that, and then you also have a green or two that cause you to abjure the card, now your purple cards are better. Uh,
0: Explain to me what – so – and I actually didn't – I mean, I guess I would have realized this if I thought about it, but – what there is, so there are only three colors
1: in Cthulhu realms versus the four in Star Realms.
0: Uh, that's kind of a huge
1: difference as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, it is, uh, and it surprised me when I first picked up the game because um, I knew they were going to be similar. Um, I knew coming in, and I looked at it. and I'm like, "Wow, where's the fourth color? You know, where, where is this?" Um, and, and I think this uh, what we've been talking about with sort of the cross pollination of the colors, where they they um, work together off of each other. I think that's the reason they went with only uh, with only three. Yeah. Um, is because they didn't really need a fourth one to give you another option. Um, and in fact, if you had a fourth one, then I think it would be more difficult to do those cross-color things. Right. And well, it just, it just
0: with fewer, I, I always feel that one of the, the common mistakes in board game design is putting in more elements rather than fewer yep. elements. Uh, and yeah, go, trimming down to three colors as far as getting synergies going and making it easier for players to avail themselves of one color and how cool the different cards can work together. Yeah, just go to three colors. Um, and especially if you're trying to do a game where you mostly want to go for two colors, it's like, okay, is it yellow and green or is it purple and right. green? Uh, so, yeah, I like how that steers the gameplay a little bit. Well, and having
1: the, having the interactions between them also makes it less bad. It's still bad, but not as bad to um, branch out into multiples. So if I have, have purple-green and right. yellow cards in my deck in Cthulhu Realms, it's probably a little weaker than it would be if I only had two, but it's not quite as bad as it would be if I was going full-on three colors in Star Realms because at least they interact yeah. together. And it furthermore makes it easier to get colors.
0: Like you're going to have fewer instances, like you mentioned in Star Realms. I'm going red. Oh, good lord! There's no red cards mm. showing up. Like with fewer color, with fewer colors, they're more likely to come out. Uh, than correct. One you want. Yep. Yep. Okay, theming wise, what the heck are the different colors? <laughs> like I know. Okay, green blob, uh yellow. Actually, what are so? Green is the blobs, red's the machine people. What are the colors it, so, in what are blue yeah, so and yellow? Star realms
1: in blue you have the Trade Federation. Uh, oh, and, right, right, right. Yellow is the Imperials. The yeah. Right. Um they they there isn't a direct correlation in Cthulhu Realms like that. There's not just, you know, some group that is purple. Um but they do have things they tend to do. So purple tends to be the guys who get you um who get you more life, or in Cthulhu Realms it's sanity. Um, you know, you're right of course You're right basically. um so uh it, the purple guys tend to let you get more of that and they also tend to let you get cards sort of for free um so was, there are certain cards that say if you abjure a card then you can go get that and put it on top of your deck um those sorts of things uh, tend to be purple um Green tends to be more the abjuring stuff. So if you want to get stuff out of your deck, if you want to kill all your starter cards, that sort of thing, um, that's green's the way to go for that. Um, and yellow tends to be the um, filtering your deck. So if you want to draw and then discard, um, you can do that a lot with yellow. Um, and they they also cause your opponent to discard more. So the... The mechanics are there for the Cthulhu Realm colors. Um, uh, Maybe there's a theme behind it that I haven't bothered going to find, but I'm not aware (laughs) of one that's like in Star Realms, where it's actually representing a uh, faction.
0: I think, and this was just based on a cursory look through it last night, I think what it's getting at is someone who's... Because I'm totally into Lovecraft, and this is going to be another reason that I'm going to complain about this game in a minute. But I think what they're getting at... If I'm not mistaken, yellow is like Haster and the king in yellow, and the king in yellow is related to Haster. Like, it's it's, it's that bit of the mythology. Green is the core stuff with Cthulhu and Dagon. Uh, and purple is stuff like Dunwich Horror and Kingsport, I think maybe face Space. Uh, so I think they're all groupings of Lovecraft so, stories. If so if so that makes
1: a lot of sense. And this may be one reason why you dislike this game more than I do is because I don't really have that background. I mean, I know... Lovecraft at a very high level. I kind of know s- some general things, but I don't have any kind of detailed knowledge whatsoever. So it doesn't bother right. me if they do something wrong. <laughs> oh, well, I'll, uh, excuse me. I will say, though, I don't think
0: that's wrong. Like, I, I think that's kind of cool that, that, uh, that they're recognizing that these are different aspects of the mythology. Mm-hmm. If that holds up, I would have to go over it again. But I think that's uh, what they're getting at. Uh, you know, green being Cthulhu and the core but, gods, yellow being this weird Haster offshoot, and then purple being the the people of Kingsport and Dunwich Horror and
1: stuff. And, and, and it would wrong. make sense because there are some other things. Like, for example, yellow tends to have more um, artifacts than the other colors. And so maybe that fits with the king and yellow and so on that you're talking about. And, and right. I right. wouldn't know yeah, like because the, that's not really my sweet spot is knowing the mythology there. I, I will say that this is a Cthulhu theme in the fun sense, in, in as much as that's possible with with Lovecraftian stuff. Um, you know, it's it's more humorous than it is uh, frightening, uh, and uh, and that's maybe another reason why you might not like it if you're a big Lovecraftian person. But uh, um, you know, there's there's lots of things in there that are intended more to make you kind of laugh at them rather than um, actually think that they're frightening in any way. And you have just gotten at my issue. <laughs> the
0: Lovecraftian theme is not to be joked about. It is not funny. This is serious stuff. And I'm folding my <laughs> arms. This is. Just, 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 uh, I just. I, I mean, someone like Lovecraft is cosmic horror. It's it's this existential dilemma that that the universe. Doesn't hate you, but even worse, doesn't even care about you. Uh, that you don't matter, uh, it, and it, it's all stuff. And, and, and insanity is, is something that once you realize that, there's no, you. You will necessarily despair. Uh, I, it's not. It's not. You know, the yellow sign is not a caution wet floor sign. They're making that joke. Uh, you know, they're making the 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 ruins. The Cthulhu ruins have a cute kitty head. Uh, oh my god! It just. It's. I, I'm fine with like humorous tones in, in different games, but it's so. It just feels so weird to me. Is this dismissive cutesy humor? Applied to Lovecraftian uh, stuff, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but God, it just rubs me the wrong and way. I
1: can, I mean, I can totally understand that. I would feel the same way if someone took um, the. Tolkien's World, The Lord of the Rings, and did something completely off the wall with it, um, because, you know, I'm, that, that's that's my that, that's, that's my fantasy thing that I'm really into and know all the details of yeah. and so on. So uh, I, can, I can certainly understand it. Now, for a, you know, for a Philistine like me who knows nothing about the, or very little about the, the Lovecraftian uh, uh, mythos and so on, this didn't do a whole lot, this didn't, this, this grabbed me largely because it was funny because of those interesting things yeah. uh, you're playing a game about funny monsters yeah. not about and, the and, dealer, and yeah. especially in if, if you the the actual physical game doesn't have this but the app does so if you go and get your um, you know uh, from the iTunes store or the Android store and get the app and install it and do the single player campaign they have a little story that goes along with each step of the way as you're and of course after each story then you actually play the game um, against the, some sort of AI opponent the story is very similar to that, right? It's, it's, it's hilarious. It's funny. It's written. It's just, uh, it, the whole thing is just funny to read through. Um, and it's describing Lovecraftian things. You know, there's a guy who like, uh, you know, the, the guy gets his brain taken over by some, uh, by a brain in a jar somewhere and it has him walk into the sea and kill himself or whatnot. And it's, you know, so it's actually doing things that you would expect to see in, in Lovecraft. Um, but, uh, but the way it's written is just hilarious. So yeah, that's that's the, the whisper in darkness is the story. And that's not how it okay, goes. But I'm but just uh, saying
0: as uh, a pure. And so, <laughs> it, well,
1: it, exactly. So they've clearly taken things that you would recognize and repurposed them into some sort of, you know, cutesy, fun little app. And for me, right. I think that's hilarious because I enjoyed laughing at it. For someone who knows the details, they probably look at it and go, oh, heresy. That's right." <laughs>
0: Uh, I remember as as a kid uh, seeing uh, uh, Mad Magazine, and Mad Magazine would do these parodies of movies where it would have this kind of weird, grotesque art style, and it would make fun of the movie. And I remember reading that and and thinking, "But wait, I like this movie. Quit making right, fun of it. Right. Like, quit making it look stupid." <laughs> yep. uh, so I kind of have that feeling with Cthulhu Realms. Uh, so uh, uh, that said. Uh, another issue I have with it, which is, is is sort of minor, abjuration. Really, that's the word
1: we're <laughs> going to use for discard. Abjuration. Now, yeah, that's for uh, that's for yeah removing the card from your from your deck. Yeah, I. I actually, right. when I play this, you know, with my friends over the table and we're, we're, in a, we're sitting in a bar and we're playing the game, nobody says abjuration. We actually all say scrap because that's the uh, Star Realms term. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's so right, much better. Right. Yeah, you're right. That, that's a stupid term.
0: Um,
1: and, and I'll give you another thing that I think Cthulhu Realms could have done a better job of, and that is making a, the game more accessible to the beginning player because none of the cards have words on them. I mean, other than the name. Uh, Right, oh, so none of the right. cards say stuff like "abjure a card" or um, "you know discard a card" or whatever. Uh, they don't say those things. They have little symbols for them instead. Ah. Okay. Now, after a while, of course, that's very easy to deal with. Right? After a while, you look at it and go, "Oh yeah, I know what that symbol is and whatnot." But when you're start when you're learning, and especially when you're doing things that are more complex than just "I'm gonna then do this thing," so it's more complicated than just discard a card. It's if you've done something else this turn, then discard right. a card figuring right. out what those little symbols mean it ain't easy uh, it takes some it takes some effort and it takes some work to uh, to learn those things so i think cthulhu realms it's great once you're into it and once you've played it a bunch then it's easy but boy getting started can be rough
0: you know that reminds me uh, do you know the game race for the galaxy also you, you know
1: I, i've seen it but i've never played it
0: uh, also based a lot on iconography and uh, rather than explaining the cards There's kind of a part of the learning curve is learning these elaborate icons and what they mean and how they relate to the gameplay mechanics. Uh, I will say, the fact that it that that you mentioning it, I kind of didn't even realize it consciously until you mentioned it. Uh, I think they've done an, an amazing job and this comes from someone who knows the gameplay mechanics from, from Star Realms, I think those that's, they do a great job with that iconography. That's a, that's a challenging thing to do as far as an interface challenge. Um, and although it can be difficult to learn, uh, it's been fairly easy for me because I think they've,
1: they've, they've got a great, visual Absolutely. language. Absolutely, and, and don't get me wrong, I totally agree with you there. I, w- once you've learned it, it's wonderful. Um, it, it's so much easier to look at that, especially some of the complicated ones that have three or four different things they could do. Yeah. Um, if you had to put that in a text box, it, it, you know, it, would, it would be a huge wall of text that you had to try to read every time and figure out what was going on. Um, so I yeah. completely agree with you. They did a good job with it. I just wish there was some way, and I don't know what it would be, but it, it's, it's a little difficult to pick up in the beginning, um, you know, like, right. you know, if I'm if I'm out playing with my friends and three of us have played the game before, but the fourth one hasn't, then we spend a lot of time explaining to the fourth guy, you know, oh, that that's what this little symbol means. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, what um, uh, what uh, when you play. So you said you played in bars? Yeah, so when I said earlier that I usually sit down with some friends of mine and we play these deck builder games, all of them, you know, the legendaries and so on of, of the world. Generally, we're sitting in a bar somewhere drinking while we do this, which is one reason why we don't play more complicated board games, right? Because try setting up Twilight Imperium <laughs> in a bar where you – yeah, it doesn't work. Right, right. So I want to ask you, uh,
0: you're at a bar, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and you whip out a nerdy card game. Do you get looks? Do people ever say anything to you?
1: Uh, every once in a while, generally no, because I mean we tend to pick the quiet little neighborhood ones that where people actually know us anyway. So it's it's not that uh, you know they they oh yeah that's those weird guys who play cards no big deal. Um, okay. Although we have we we actually got kicked out of one once because there
0: what well, so there actually is a
1: law <laughs> in Michigan against gambling right uh, in uh, outside of casinos anyway, and we could not convince. This uh, the the guy who owned this uh, this bar. We could not convince him that we were not gambling.
0: Oh, that's hilarious because that's probably his only frame of reference for what. you Absolutely, do with he's cards. like,
1: oh, well, you're playing cards. You must be playing poker or something, and that's not legal. And the cops are going to shut me down if they find it, and so on and so forth. We're like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. There's no money involved. There's no gambling. No, he he would not be oh, convinced. But
0: but that, that is, is definitely
1: the exception. That's only happened once, right?
0: Uh, to also the game's credit, both of them, Star Realms and and Cthulhu Realms. Uh, and I think this addresses a little bit of how difficult it can be—the learning curve of the iconography. Uh, those campaigns are, are actually—I I like those campaigns for how they will focus on a certain gameplay mechanic or how they'll change something up. They'll—they'll they'll be like almost little chess puzzles uh, with the system. Right. Yep. Um, and normally I hate like campaigns like that. Uh, but I think they've done a great job and you have to unlock different missions,
1: uh, in Cthulhu realms. And I think star realms works the same yep, way. It does. And, and I think if you, if you start Cthulhu realms with the app and go through that, uh, go through that single player campaign, then I think the iconography thing is kind of a non-issue for exactly that reason. So now if you're just sitting down and trying to play the game after opening up the box, then it's more difficult. You're constantly referring right. back to the rules or to the little cheat card or whatever it is, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, because you don't really do that campaign piece when you're just getting it out of the box and playing with people sitting around a table. But if you do it through the app, then absolutely that learning uh, that learning kind of happens naturally through the single-player campaign. Well, and even, even the app itself, uh, it's super easy
0: to – do you right-click, do you hover? I forget. But uh, it, it brings up text. It's super easy to call up text that just runs down what each yeah, icon it'll, it'll
1: does. Yeah, and it'll uh, tell you, too, if you've not used something yet this turn, that kind of thing, whereas you have to remember right. that if you're playing with the physical cards. Right, right, yeah. And that's true of a lot of these uh, card games, or actually any board
0: game, that gets translated to a, a digital version. Uh, it really does streamline some of that. Bookkeeping <laughs> if and
1: it's it done correctly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Which it is here. Yeah, which it I, is don't, here, I, I don't have like, any problem with the apps on either game. of these games. Both of these games, I think the apps have done a great job. The, I there are some games that it's not so much the case, but in these cases, yeah, they've done a good job.
0: I would, yeah, and I would, yeah, I would say this is like a best case scenario. I can think of very few board game ports that get it right as much as Star Star Realms and and, uh,
1: and Cthulhu, Cthulhu Realms has definitely benefited from the fact that Star Realms came first. Um, they've uh, you know the. the uh, obviously, a lot of things are similar, not only in the game mechanics, but also in the app. Um, it's, you know same people write it. They, they understand how it works, and uh, they were able to build it um, pretty smoothly. Right, right. Uh, why doesn't
0: either game have an undo button?
1: <laughs> yeah, that does uh, – I don't know. On the one hand, I understand because I have screwed up and clicked the wrong thing I don't know how many times. On the other hand yep. – It's like a game, so if you're playing it with your friend, a lot of times, you know, you play it and he's like, "Oh, you did it!" You know, you can't take it back. (laughs) So, yeah, think of it as a tournament. Like once you take your hand off the piece, it's yeah, card played, card played, right? Okay, so you're done. You can't, you can't go back. Uh, Now, I will say one thing about uh, the apps that uh, that does that has expanded these games for me. If I was just playing them in person, then maybe once every couple of weeks or whatever, I'd get a game together with my buddies and that would be it. But because they're on the apps... I play these things a ridiculous amount of the time um, because I can – well, I can play, obviously, my friends. I can challenge whatever, but I can also just grab random games with people around the Internet. Um, we, have, uh, we have leagues that are run on uh, – actually on the QT3 boards as well as there's like a Facebook group that does these things. So mm-hmm. there's a lot more the, – the fact that they're digital, I think, has expanded these games for me. I, I'm not sure I'd even – have wanted to talk about this game if all I had was the physical version because I just simply wouldn't have played it very much. But since it's on my electronic devices um, and because there are these larger structures uh, around the gaming, the the leagues and the Facebook group and so on, um, I've played it a whole lot more than I would have otherwise. Uh, Skip, that is, uh,
0: as someone who's been covering video gaming for uh, over 20 years at this point, that is one of my my favorite developments the entire time, uh, is this cross pollination between tabletop gaming and, and video gaming. Uh and how they're kind of informing each other and how they're uh they're they're blurring the lines like they do with Star Realms and er, and uh Cthulhu Realms. Uh
1: I love that development.
0: Um it's just super exciting to see how often that's done. I like yeah, that. Yeah, and
1: it's uh, it's something where uh, it it, it expands the ecosystem. It expands the number of games that can come out and the amount that they're played. Um, And uh, it gives you more variety, I think. Um, A a game that might be absolutely wonderful and that uh, the people who play it just love and it's awesome, 20, 30 years ago, might have only been played by a few people because they're the only ones who knew about it. But now, the internet kind of spreads that around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tell me about
0: the tournament on on quarter to three. Do you... you Play in those and how well? Yeah. Do you so do? Um,
1: the way the way it's usually run. First of all, both the Star Rums and the Cthulhu Rums one, uh, Dave Perkins runs those, um, uh, at least at the moment. Sometimes uh, is he allowed to play yeah, in as well? Yeah, he, he plays too because uh, he shouldn't be allowed. We to don't, play don't have him. that many people, right? So we figure it, it's uh, we'll, we'll let everybody in. Um, and he does win every win every. He does win time. occasionally. Um, not not all the time. Um, okay. But so. It's it's a league format where everybody plays like two or three games against other people in their groups, and then there's a little playoff at the end and uh, a champion is crowned at the end. It, it's not uh, it, it's not particularly formal or uh, it, it's it, it doesn't do it doesn't take a lot of time. Um, you know you don't play right. a whole lot, um, but it's fun and you know you you get people trash talking a little bit, bragging rights, that sort of thing. Um, have you ever beaten David Perkins? Yes, I have absolutely. I, I Sweet, you. awesome. Uh, High five right here. Right, right, right. High five Skip. Now, I will say also, though, that if you looked at Lifetime uh, Achievement, I'm guessing his, uh, his record would be significantly better than mine. Uh, yeah, that's why he needs that, to not be playing. That's also true, easy. by the way, of, uh, of Fire, who you had on last week. Um, who
0: oh, because I know she loves yeah, Star and, Realms. Actually, she's probably going to be uh, jealous that we're, we're talking
1: about it, and she's she not here. She
0: destroys me on uh, a
1: regular basis. Absolutely. Really? Really? Oh, yeah. Wow,
0: that's awesome. Have you ever been uh, Yes. Uh,
1: so in all, any of these games, this is true of all deck-building games, I think, I, I'd say that about 40% of the games, more or less, are actually decided by the skill of the player. The other 60% largely are, hey the cards dropped this way, and, and right. that's assuming you're at least close in skill, of course. I mean, if it's a, if it's a huge gap in skill, then the person uh, with the uh, much better skill is going to win more of the time. But if you're at least close, like, you know, I've been playing this quite a while, um, so have these other folks, um, but they are definitely better than me. So they'll probably beat me um, maybe 60% of the time, but that's because um, – you know the rest of the time it's just kind of just decided by oh I win because I got the better cards dropped on me out out of the deck and and i I actually think that
0: that's uh an asset rather than a liability like that's, that that's a that's an advantage because uh it it uh it democratizes the game it lets everybody play it's not like i like as much as the next guy games where you win because you're good or because you're smarter because you know the game well but i think a good game will allow new players to win sometimes like it it shouldn't be hey the first 3 times you play this game you're going to lose no matter what <laughs> right uh, and i like that a lot i also by the way really like uh I'm going to challenge you in a little bit, so I'll give you some advance notice. With the statement, here's what the statement is going to be. Don't address it yet. Ascension is a better card. Oh, good. I
1: was, hope- I'm throw I was that hoping we'd talk about Ascension also in this form. Yes.
0: Okay, so I'm going to throw that at you in a minute. But uh, Ascension, one of the things that I, that I really respect about the, the Star Realms and Cthulhu Realms design is how close it is almost always is, like it almost always feels like, oh, if I get one more turn or two more turns. There are shutouts occasionally, but it seems like they have done something with their game design magic pixie dust to always give it an exciting finish, yep. to make it super close. It's all about like building up power and, and people are hitting each other dramatically and it's who gets in that killing blow first. Uh, however they made that work, that's, that's a great job of game design. Yes, right.
1: I, and I, I agree with that. It often is that way, um, more so in Star Realms than Cthulhu Realms. So Cthulhu Realms, it's very easy for things to snowball and get out of, get out of hand on one side. And I think a large portion of that is because the locations are really powerful. Um, and so if you get a lot of locations and the other guy doesn't, then most of the time it's going to be just a beating. Um, so
0: thank you for saying that, by the way, because I when I jumped into this last night, I was like, okay, I'm going to be talking to Skip tomorrow. I'm just going to play a game against the easy AI. And I lost. <laughs> and it's because he
1: had all these locations. And it was clearly because of right. the locations. Yep. Yeah. Now, right. a good player, of course, will try to will do his best to make sure that he takes some locations as well so the other guy doesn't get them all. Um, but right. first of all, you have to learn that. And secondly, sometimes you just don't have that option. <laughs> sometimes the the cards just drop the wrong way, and then you just get steamrolled. Um, so, but, but what you were saying about th- games generally being close... It's true in both games. I mean, other than the location thing, um, for the most part, Cthulhu Realms comes kind of can come down to the wire, and Star Realms especially. Yeah, it's almost always one of those things where you're looking at the cards in your hand and say, "Boy, if I wasn't dead, I'd kill him next turn." Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah,
0: and I th- I think that's just part. They they managed to design that into their their design. I, I yep. love that. Uh. Uh, do you play
1: on the ipad or on the pc um, i have well right now i play on the pc um, because both my phone and my tablet have died recently and i'm st- I'm, I'm still what? working on replacing them all uh replacing it properly but yeah i how did your phone and your tablet die? When do you mean yeah. they die? Did you brick them just like your first so the phone? Yeah, I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it the same way, no. Um, I don't know what happened to the phone. It just decided to stop working. The, the touchscreen just stopped working and when I took it to the, the uh, re, local repair place, they're like, "Yeah, you know what? It's going to cost you more to repair it than just to buy a new one." Uh, okay, and, then, uh, and then the tablet, this one was my fault. The tablet I dropped. It happens. Um, I dropped, I cracked the screen and eventually the crack got so big that the screen Touch just stopped working, and I'm like, "All right, I'm not going to even replace that until I get the phone situation dealt with, and we'll see where that goes."
0: Do you remember where you are when you oh, dropped? Absolutely. Absolutely. Explain this to me. I love hearing yeah, this. In- this might. This should be in this, the list of. of Dumb IT oh, this, things you've done. You've also broken a, an iPad. So this by doing was absolutely
1: what? dumb. So uh, I was uh, I was actually going to a game night at at a, at a local game store, and so I'm picking all my uh-huh. stuff up out of the back. Right, I've got my card box and, and uh, you know my my binder of stuff and whatnot. So I've got all these things, and I pick them up, and I'd forgotten that the tablet was actually in between two things there. So I pick <laughs> oh. them up, and I just kind of turn around to get out of the car, and the tablet was flying out <laughs> from in between these two <laughs> things and it crashes onto the pavement. Uh, did anyone see you do it? Did, was this in front of people? I don't think so. And certainly, nobody laughed, no. and I don't believe anybody was actually there. No, uh, okay. but uh, it doesn't matter because I just told the world. So, it's, uh, yeah, it, it was it was a uh, poor choice of uh, ways to carry my tablet. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, you said something that set off a red flag for me just now. Skip. Mm-hmm. Binder.
1: Yep. You keep your cards in binders. Well, that's, that's for the magic cards. Um, the uh, the other stuff I do not uh, I do not have in binders or whatnot. All right, well, let, let me just verify
0: this also, because now I'm worried, do you sleeve your cards? only the magic
1: cards <laughs> only the ones that I might actually want to sell to someone someday Have you actually sold magic? I cards? have so so I actually started playing magic way back in the day, like 1990 three, four, um, uh-huh. back uh-huh. when you could get cards that are actually worth money. And, uh, I got tired of it around, I don't know, it was like, uh, 2000, 2002, somewhere in that general vicinity. And I sold my collection at the time. And at the time I did pretty well for it. I think I got, uh, I don't know, around $1,500, $2,000. Oh, right. Nice. Sure. Right. If I- you made your money back. If I had these. kept yeah. those cards, they would be worth probably ten times that now. <laughs> so, wow. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And I just got back into Magic a year or so ago, and I, I, st- I don't play uh, competitively or anything. You know, I go to the sealed deck events, and I play uh, Commander format, which is a casual type of multiplayer format. Um, but nonetheless, I still have some cards that are worth a little bit of money. So yes, I do sleeve them and whatnot to keep them nice just in case I decide I want to sell them again someday.
0: Okay, but you're not, like, sleeving your Cthulhu
1: Realms card. I am not, but I will say we do have a sleeved Star Realms set of cards, and that is for playing at the bar. Because you never know what might be, like, on the table. So we, we do have a sleeved set of Star Realms car for cards for when we're doing that.
0: I guess that makes sense. Like, if, they, if the cards really do need to be protected...
1: Because <laughs> okay, you also never right. know what yeah. the guy next to you might spill his beer, right? So, yeah. Right, yeah.
0: Uh, whenever we we have a pretty uh, well, a hard and fast rule at my house that when there is board gaming and this is the only thing like I'm not this isn't the kind of house it's like yeah, put a coaster under your
1: beer uh, no food or drink on the yes, table but, whatsoever and, and I especially understand that with board games uh, I mean yeah, card games yeah. are one thing and uh, they're it's annoying if you spill on the cards but if you spill on a board game and ruin all the little pieces and the board and everything oh yeah yeah exactly so just just a, a, a little bit of a uh, strict
0: law will, will prevent yes. that. Uh, all right, so uh, I've I've thrown down the gauntlet why it, Ascension is a better two-player deck build. If you're going to sit down with someone and play either Star slash Cthulhu Realms or Ascension,
1: you will always be playing a better game if you choose Ascension.
0: <laughs> there you go, Skip. I've
1: just thrown down the all gauntlet. Right. Do so do? let me give you just a little bit of background in that, yes, I have actually played Ascension, first of all. Um, okay. and, uh, and I've played it actually... I was hoping you would say, oh, I've never played Ascension, and then I could just immediately claim victory <laughs> yeah, by default. Uh, easy, it would be like, right? you don't show exactly. up. Yeah. Uh, so no, I have actually played a decent amount of it. A lot of it, uh, again, on the app, um, rather than physically. In fact, I don't uh-huh. own any physical Ascension cards, unlike Star and Cthulhu Realms, although I have played a couple of uh, games uh, in person. But, uh, so i played a lot of it, and if, it, first of all, let me say that there's no hard and fast rule either way. Because if what you're looking for is a game where you can leverage your knowledge of the game to win more often than Ascension is the game for you. If that's what you want to do, um, if you want to say, you know what, I'm going to win a lot, and I'm going to win because I'm the best at this game, um, no matter which of the, however many they've got now, 12 or whatever sets are used, um, because I know how this all works, then you're going to be a much better player at Ascension than you will be at Star or Cthulhu Realms. If, on the other hand, you're sitting down and you want to say, I want to play this game to see what happens, and regardless of who wins, I want it to be a fun, exciting game down to the wire, then you're better off with Star and Cthulhu realms, Star realms especially. Um, Because Ascension really, really benefits the guy who knows the cards and knows how it all interacts. Um, And so in that respect, it's a lot more like a TCG, like like a Magic or... or, um, uh, something like along those lines. Um, it's still well, and also in the sense of all the posts, like Ascension. There's like I think six add-ons slash expansions. There's More than that, yeah. There's a ton of them. Um, and so, yeah. uh, you know, I, I enjoyed Ascension while I played it. Eventually, I stopped largely because I just got tired of how much of it there was there's so many different sets and so many different combinations and different things you can do and sure it's interesting um for a while but after a while i got tired of it now we have people on the boards who are definitely not that way who who love it um i you know uh, um there's one guy in particular um uh, gpx extreme is his uh, handle on the board um who i, I love like a brother uh, we've done a lot of chatting and we, uh, um, on the, the Slack app and so on. But, man, he is an Ascension freak. <laughs> he, he loves this game. He, he knows some of the guys who make the game and so on. Um, he went to the World Championships at Gen Con this last year um, and so on. And I just don't really enjoy those games anymore because I know I'm going to lose almost all the time unless the cards fall exactly my way. Uh, I'm not going to do well. And so that's kind of why I stopped playing that is because I just kind of got tired of that. Whereas with Star and Cthulhu Realms, yeah, the cards could always fall against me. And, yeah, the other player could be better than me. Um, Usually they are. Uh, But I always feel like I have a chance.
0: Right, right. Uh, Are you – on your computer, could you start up Cthulhu Realms right now without messing up your your Skype connection? I think so. If if this
1: thing dies, it's your fault for asking me.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, Nope, it, it was successful. There we go.
0: Okay, how do you and I meet each other for a game?
1: Uh, you can go to Play Online, Play online start got it. it. Start and Game, and put in my name, my handle, IneffableBob.
0: All right, uh, I'm starting a real-time game. Uh, no, no, no. Just... Uh, I'm sorry, I screwed that up. You should say... Sit... Oh, no, it's going to put me in a game with some can- random dude. Cancel. Oh, my God, cancel, no, cancel. playing some random... Uh, oh, uh, uh, oh, I'm playing against Genova Beta.
1: <laughs> oh, Lord, how do I quit? Uh, it, it, I believe there's a uh, I believe there's a concede if you uh, go to the little uh, icon. Nope, I exited out uh, and this oh. is probably my permanent record. Yeah, rate. sorry, I should have. Uh, it, it's it's challenge, this game, my mistake. All right,
0: it, if anybody listening is looking at my stats in Cthulhu Realms, that loss didn't count.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's totally ethical. someone else's fault. Should have yep. gone on my record. Ah, there I was challenged right. by Tom Chick. There we go.
0: Okay. So let's narrate this as it's going. Uh, we're going to play online. It's the first time this has been done on the Quarter Three Games podcast. Uh, it's my turn. Uh, all right. There's the goofy followers and the dippy goon and the yeah. You only get three cards when you go first. All right. So let's see. There's a bunch of green in play, and I can't really do anything. So, I can't actually uh, see it yet
1: because it until it's my turn, it won't let me uh, go in. So
0: it doesn't like show you in real time yeah, what so I'm finish doing. Finish
1: your turn. And then it'll pop up okay. on my side, and I can look at it.
0: All right. Uh, I'm buying Amigo. There you go. Oops. Yeah. All right. So already you know I'm going green uh, in turn.
1: Okay. So now it says it's my turn. So now let's see it. I'm not sure if you're going to see what I do right away or not. because I've.
0: Oh, I'm not. Okay, yeah. So it's not – does, does uh, Star Realms work that way too? Star Realms has
1: an option for playing it actually real-time online um, where, where you see uh, the other guy playing.
0: But not here. Well, it said when I, when I did that random game, it did say... Now,
1: the random game... Yeah, Async, so the continue. random game in real time, that actually you see the other guy playing at the same time. But this is because we're challenging each other. Um, like, does it have an option? I finished my turn. Does it have anything there to... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I ended my turn, and I'm starting them, yeah. Uh, oh, wait, I forgot to... Did it,
0: yeah, of course it showed me what you did, but I didn't see. What, it, what did you do? Your turn.
1: Um, I took the Watley Farm location.
0: All right, so that's purple, if I'm not mistaken. All right, so I need to make sure you get no more purple (laughs) cards. It's it's never that easy. Uh, All right, let's see. So I've got the Miskatonic Hospital. Does that block, or is that one of the things that doesn't
1: block? It doesn't block, and the way you can tell is because in the middle, it doesn't have a little person. If it had a little person in the middle, that would mean it blocked.
0: Oh, as opposed to... well, then.
1: Well, I'm looking at Arkham right. City,
0: and it has a shield instead so of pers- Arkham that's, City. does a little.
1: Block. It's a little building in the in the shield there, so it blocks yeah. other locations from being attacked. Oh, it's a Nexus. yeah
0: right? Yep, right, right, okay. Uh, let's see. I will then buy. Um, uh, now, here's one thing I love that this game does. Uh, let's say that I don't know. I forgot because maybe I'm playing asynchronously. What cards have I bought? I can of course click on my discard pile because that's face up. You can always look through that. I can click on my deck, yep, and it'll show me what's in my deck. I love that.
1: Yeah, I believe Star Realms does the same thing, but some other yeah, it does. It some other guess. games like Ascension do not.
0: <laughs> I know, yeah, and that drives me crazy. There's a really good. Uh, it's sort of it's not a physical card game. It's called Frost, and it's a it's a digital uh, solitaire card game about trying to live in the Arctic wilderness. Uh, and it does all these annoying things. You can't even look in your discard pile. You don't know how many cards are left in your deck. Uh, I feel that's one of the things when people who don't make uh, games physically and then port them, that's, that's one of the pitfalls. Like, they don't understand. If this was a physical game, you would have to do these things. Uh, but we're doing it as a computer game, so there these shortcuts they can take. Whoops.
1: Yeah, a lot of, a lot of times it gets... Uh, it, I, I don't know, Frost is a special case, I think. I mean, I've, I've, I've not played it, but I've read about it. And it's supposed to be a survival-type game, right? And so I think they may make things difficult on purpose. That's not a legitimate design I, I, choice. I I'm not saying it's, it's a fun. good idea. <laughs> I'm just like, I think that might be what they were trying to do.
0: But that's the thing. It's, it's based on a real card game. There's no reason it couldn't be played with real cards. Uh Make it play like it is with real cards. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I get you're playing Devil's Advocate, but don't
1: advocate for those people. I totally understand the discard pile piece, at least though. Yes, absolutely. You should always be able to look through that.
0: Well, a number of cards in your deck, like that's important too. And also, like I should know, I should be able to be told. I guess also since you're not playing asynchronously, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't like you don't have the dilemma of oh I played this game two days ago now it's my turn and uh, I forgot what I bought well and and I have that
1: problem all the time <laughs> with these yeah. especially with Star Realms
0: all right so talk me
1: through what you're doing I got
0: I've got uh, so far a couple of green cards I'm going core mythos okay here. so
1: so what I just did um, I, I already had the one location I just bought another one so I have the Arkham City as well. Um, now, if I get both those out together, then you're in trouble, because you have to kill the Arkham City before you can attack the other one, and it blocks you from attacking me.
0: Yeah, that's what the stupid easy AI did to me. <laughs> so you
1: get those bonuses together, yeah. And then I also took this yellow guy, um, let's see, what's his name? The Brain Cylinder. I also took the Brain Cylinder because it gets a bonus if I have a location out. What? Oh no! Fair. Okay. see, so that's that's an example of where the brain cylinder is actually yellow, and these locations are purple. But it didn't matter. The colors didn't matter in that case, because right, right. what I was going after was the bonus for the fact that I had a location. And that that to me is very clear with the iconography.
0: Uh, is it, it it shows the building along with the sanity yep, hit there? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And it's
0: so. I think it's your turn, by the way, if I'm not mistaken. Um,
1: really? Didn't say that.
0: It's not letting it didn't me say that on anything.
1: the, on my. Uh, no.
0: Uh, right. this game is super stable try, I can't hitting, uh, try hitting
1: the next game thing in the lower right
0: I did on accident and now I am back in your game, okay let me just back out of this game exit game, oh shoot <laughs> oh Ex- my god I just, did I just no lose? no
1: no you're, it's, it, it's oh, waiting oh, for your oh. turn okay. so the okay. problem here is because when you do a challenge it assumes, there's no real time challenge it assumes we're doing this asynchronously and okay. so you take your turn and you say you're done and then it tells me I can take my turn, but you're still just sitting there looking at the board the way it was at the end of your turn. I and so right. the best way to do this is probably just when you're done, the little button that says Next Game in the bottom right, just hit that, and it'll take you it'll take you back to your list of games. Okay. And then once it pops up and says it's your turn again, then you can click on it and go. Yeah, I wish there was a – it would be nice if there was a real-time challenge option so that we didn't have to go back and forth like this, but –
0: Oh, shoot, and now I need an undo Oh, button.
1: you hit click the wrong button. I, I hit play
0: all. Oh, yep, I, uh... yep.
1: Now, one thing I do like about Cthulhu Realms is play all generally is not as bad as if you did it in Star Realms. Like, you might make a mistake. There might be one or two things that you didn't mean to play. But for the right. most part, when you play it out, then you can then choose when to use it. So it's not that bad. Right,
0: right, right. Exactly, Whereas yeah.
1: sometimes in Star Realms, you, you play all and it's just like, oh, crap. Uh, I would no longer get to an opportunity to use those abilities. So just to warn you,
0: uh, I your sanity is lower than mine now, and I just got the the Miskatonic
1: Hospital. So uh, you don't get all the locations. Not a big, in this yeah, I'm not a big fan of you having that Miskatonic Hospital. But I'm not. Oh, there's another whiteleaf. I'm farm. not worried about my sanity though because uh, I generally have less sanity than people around me, so it, it doesn't bother me all that so much. No way! Is that a real life observation <laughs> yes, or video? Yes. Um, ooh, now. This is another thing I like about this game as opposed to Star Realms. The initiates here, which are kind of anagolous, however you say that, to the uh, explorers in Star Realms. right? Explorers, you always get two buying power, and that's it. Um, and you can scrap them to, to do damage. Well, this one, you get to choose buying power or damage. Yeah, but you can't scrap them. Well, you you still did. can, but then you only get one instead of two. Uh, Wait, yeah, yeah, if you, if, you click on them, if you click on them to choose and then click on them again, you get the option to scrap them.
0: Before you play it.
1: Nope, nope. Wow. After it's already out of your hand. So...
0: You can scrap it for the... Yeah. Extra time. See, if you... I think I probably knew yeah, that if at you some look point. at it, there's three remember. symbols on it. The first, yeah, yeah, the first, yeah, no, I can clearly see. That's the is, symbol for if, scrap, right? I mean, it shows right there. Ab, or not scrap. Oh, yeah, uh, for, sorry. Uh, skip, it's I, abjure. I don't to
1: say scrap. It just makes
0: no, that's, this isn't Star Realms. You can't scrap in this game. I'm
1: going to do one whole point of damage to you. How about that? But, I'll, but I just right. got that other... Uh, I just got that other Watley farm. So you have two Watley farms? And I have a King in Yellow, which gets a bonus when I have locations also.
0: Wait, how did you buy a Watley farm and a King in Yellow
1: last turn? That's... Well here, hit the hit the next game and, and open it back up and it'll show you what I did. Because I had the brain cylinder, which gives me three. And I had
0: Well no, wait, why isn't missions. it why isn't it showing me like why do I have to hit next game? Why does it... okay, I guess it's right.
1: That's uh, that's what I said about it being it being yeah, asynchronous. Yeah. It thinks we're taking hours between turns instead of just
0: Uh Yeah, you you're buying okay. Great yeah, so
1: see I got the extra buy from that, uh from those initiates.
0: Okay, this time I am gonna make sure to use my Migo to have look at this stupid army. The Migo is like a traveling salesman. That's not funny. How is that a joke? That's not a good joke uh, at all.
1: Well it's it's funny, it's just not Lovecraftian. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs>
0: Uh, all right. Now, here I've run into – so if I'm looking at the Mego, it does a four sanity, four sanity hit. If I've got a green card in play, it's an additional two sanity hit. I can get three conjuring power if I abjure – oh, if I abjure the Mego itself. Right. I, that's what was yep. confusing me. All
1: right. I don't want to abjure that. I like it. Okay, so then I'm just going to play all safely. And those those things are what I was talking about (laughs) with taking some time and effort to get involved. You know, to to get an understanding of the iconography. It's great once you do it, but uh, it's very easy to make that mistake of well, wait, what does that mean? The little abjure symbol is it at the top or the bottom or you know what does it mean? Right. Uh, Also, not funny.
0: Skip is a aghast. With his SPF
1: 5000 <laughs> uh, I hear you say that these things are not funny, but, but they they are. Really You're laughing they, anyway. They, they are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, over to you. All right, yes, there's the turn. Yeah, it does a pretty good job of telling me when your turn's over, though. Like, I don't have to sit here and keep mashing the refresh button. Oh, how does it tell um, you? It, it like gives me a going. little pop-up that says... It, you know, game with whoever it is. Now, there your turn. Um, or if you're in the ne- if you click, click the next game and you're just looking at your list of games, it'll turn green. I see. Okay. Right. Yeah. Which is how I've mostly been doing. I'm just waiting for it to turn green. Oh, I'm done. Yeah, I've I've got it now, and I'm trying to decide what I want because uh, you didn't leave a lot out here. I've only got three to buy, and there's only one thing I can buy, buy. that
0: Necronomicon. Get it. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. Get that, oh, new I'm going
1: to take this at because he only costs two. And he's purple, which goes nicely with my locations.
0: Uh, the Necronomicon and Roll Yeah are huge fixtures of actual uh, Lovecraft.
1: Okay. See, so if you actually know this stuff, then you recognize these things. I like, so, like, <laughs> I have a
0: thematic event. Oh my gosh, my iPad is telling me that it is my turn for the PC game. That's awesome. I love cross-platform <laughs> support.
1: Yeah, <laughs> On uh, on Star Realms, a lot of times when my tablet functioned, um, it would beep at me, and I'd be sitting at my computer, so I, you know, I wouldn't bother going to get the tablet. I would just uh, fire it up on the PC and take my turn right there. Yep.
0: Uh, okay, during that. All right, now you're in trouble. Uh, I'll see. Now that that's I,
1: never good. You're not supposed to.
0: Well, now that I know how initiates work,
1: <laughs> it always it does always help when you're actually using the cards. Yes. That's right.
0: Uh, All right, I'd love to get Rulia into play, but no, I'm just going to spend this on a ghast, and um, okay, I'll take another initiate, which is like putting on a gift certificate, and now over to you. Yeah. All right, so you have uh,
1: 39 sanity to my 46 sanity. Rulia is great. That's the one I was talking about earlier. I think I said it was the ruins. I was wrong. It's Rulia was the one that if you discard a card, you gain one. Yeah, you get to draw a card.
0: Uh, Roliet, well, yeah. what, yeah, so here, green location, blocks player from, no, Roliet well, yeah, is just a straight-up block, it looks like.
1: Right, but I mean, in the upper left, it's got a little plus one. Right. That plus that plus one right. means draw a card. And in the upper left of that... Oh, if a card is discarded. It, it, if a card is discarded, right, exactly.
0: Wait, but that's not abjure. Right. You just discard, discard.
1: Right, so that's, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of yellows say, right. do that. A lot of yellows cause you to discard
0: so just cycle in yep. your deck, right? Right. Like
1: that Necronomicon. Yeah. How do you say that? Necronomicon.
0: It's a. It's the Necronomicon, oh. written by the mad Arab Al Hazred. Right? Yeah. So yeah. if you uh,
1: if you take that, then, and you have another yellow in play, you can draw two cards and then discard one, for example, and that would trigger your. Uh, yeah. If you right. It out. Right. Um, boy, I'm still getting just. I might have to destroy one of my locations. Not not even like you destroy, I might destroy. Oh wait! Yourself. Oh, you put out. That would be terrible. Wait, why would you destroy it? I'm going to do it. Because when I abjure it, I get three buying power. And I think I need this Ruya, really, uh, so I'm taking it. Mm-hmm.
0: not sure mm-hmm. how I feel you'll, like you'll that feels. You'll
1: see that here in a minute.
0: And Ruya well, yeah, has the little person in it, so that's a that blocker. That one's
1: a blocker, yep. But I, could, All right. I couldn't have afforded anything except an initiate um, if I hadn't done that, so that's why I did it. Right.
0: All right. Well, let's see. I put in play the Miskatonic Hospital. Um, plus, oh, if a location... is Okay, I see. So it doubles up with the location. If you have another All location, right. that's it's better. Right, right. All right. Then I will make that... Um, okay. Then it looks like I cannot get Kingsport Harbor... So it looks like Skip, I see in my future a second gas.
1: Oh, that's a, there's nothing wrong with uh if you're loading up on green, there you go.
0: Um and then just a little
1: a little polite t- oh, shoot a monkey. <laughs> I, was
0: gonna, I was gonna hit you for four sanity, but I don't quite have enough to hit your stupid wap. Ah, uh, see, yep. All right. There's me wasting four sanity. Uh the four sanity over, attack. Yep. All right, over to
1: you. It is it is annoying when you can't quite get through the defenses. I thought you were going to burn that. All right, so now no, I, I with the other one, not this one. Oh. I, I actually have two of those, so I got another one coming somewhere. It's just oh. a of uh, getting the draw. <laughs> okay, so now here I'm going to use an extra little uh, uh, synergy here, oh. and so I have an initiate. And I also have two purple cards that say if I have a purple out and have destroyed or have abjured something this turn, I get to draw a card. Right.
0: Well, I guess, yeah,
1: being able to abjure the
0: initiates makes it super easy to take advantage of those abjuration cards. Exactly.
1: So I'm going to do that, and I drew another initiate, which is convenient. So I actually have 10 to buy. I can make it 12 if I wanted to from this. Uh, From this extra initiate, and I think I will take this Necronomicon because I was going to say, why wouldn't I? Um, And then I also take this medical staff, dude. And then I've got four. How big is your location? Oh, it's a five, but it doesn't block me from hitting you. Doesn't? I don't have to waste my four like you did.
0: And I don't. And and you may know, or maybe you don't know. I don't have another location in my deck. Well,
1: yet, right? Because there's there's two of them out there, so you got options.
0: I have to be able to afford it, though.
1: That's that's always a problem, right? <laughs> One thing I'm not a big fan about in this game is when you abjure a card, and you can you can get rid of ones in the center row, um, or your deck, your choice. When you do that, you can't target stuff that costs six or more. So sometimes, uh, or more than six, I guess. So sometimes the row gets all the middle row gets all clocked up with big stuff, like everything that costs right. seven or eight. And there's no good way to get it unclogged short of just buying initiates and see you happen to get lucky and draw seven or eight so you can buy one uh, i mean I'm sure there's a good design reason they've done that, but it it, it doesn't work uh it, it doesn't sometimes you get stuck right well that
0: yeah that's kind of true of any of these kind of deck builders though is what if something super if it's just clogged with super expensive stuff or in um uh, in Ascension, like if a bunch of, like, combat cards come out and okay. you're each building up uh, yeah, all you've got is my
1: power. Yep. Yep. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right, let's see. Uh, hunting Horror doesn't do much for me, but I can abjure a... Oh, look, I guess I didn't know this, that I can abjure cards in right. the middle. yep. I, I guess I didn't know. And, and that's know. a difference from... St- oh, and it even says available with cards cost six
1: or less. That's no, different yeah. from Star Realms. So Star Realms, there's two separate abilities. There's the scrap and then there's also get something out of the center row. Um, right, whereas right. here, they're combining the same thing. And I actually like the combined version. Um, I just don't like the cost restriction part of it. Okay, so I see it just notified me that you are done again, and now it's telling me what you bought. Uh, yeah, that you got that Location. Yeah. I knew you were going to do that. Alright. I drew my purple guy which works out nicely because I had the purple locations out already. All right, now we're going to have to go... Well, the King in Yellow has the ability to Abjure to draw a card, which
0: I will use. Right. Again, stupid, goofy artwork. The King in Yellow is not (laughs) a Dr. Seuss book.
1: And now I get to draw... Cards from all my purple cards, because all my purple ones say if I have another purple one and Abjura card, then I get to draw a card. So I just got to draw three cards right, off right. of it. And I'm also going to, I got the Necromomicon too, so I'm going to draw and then discard.
0: Quit cycling your entire deck in one turn. That's really this, rude. This is
1: how it kind of builds up. Yeah, it's, uh, right. it, it, it can get nasty.
0: And I love too, I can look at your deck, like I can see what you've bought. And uh...
1: Oh, and by the way, I'm going to do 14 damage to you too. Uh, that's okay. I've got thirty. I've
0: got sanity this, to spare with thirty. This is a little extra. Uh,
1: okay, we'll take. Oh, and look, there's two more locations I can take. See, this is what I I, I, I didn't set out to do this, but it's going to be a nice little object lesson for how locations are a little more powerful than they need to be.
0: <laughs>
1: right. All right. I'm done. Well, you say then they
0: need to be, but I. The the thing about these kinds of deck builders where we're both buying from the same deck. Uh, you know, I could have gotten those locations. I mean, it's a, there's a super powerful strategy,
1: but it's available to both of us Right. Equally. It depends on who gets their, who actually draws their yeah. buying power at the right time, and so on. And, and you're right. Um, there's a, uh, uh, you know, it might be that we drew the buying power more or less equally, and we both got an equal number of the locations. Um, it just seems, it just seems so often the other guy gets them rather than me. That's just because I suck.
0: Uh, it's just because you always remember the like you're more inclined to to remember when things things go well, wrong. That is absolutely true. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. I just got out a lovely little gast. And wait, what is this? Uh, yeah, I just got out a lovely little. Well, I destroyed your Watley farm with my gast, and then uh, what I can do? Well, oh, you know? that's terrible. Uh, abjure a card with the hunting horror to gain. To want to I guess you were an
1: initiate. I guess I should count my blessings that you don't have the Shadow of Cthulhu yet, which is another green card that uh, just weird locations. No, it's not. It has not shown Uh-oh. up yet. If I'm lucky, it won't show up this game because it'd be much better in your deck than mine.
0: Yeah, look, I never knew this skip. That this whole abjuring things from the center row. This is this is awesome because that's when also I would want. That's the most common misclick I would do is play all. And then, oh, look, this card lets me abjure, but I accidentally played everything out of my hand. I don't think I ever realized you could abjure from the middle.
1: And since you know the next card that's coming, because over to the right is the next card that's going to be put into the center row, sometimes it actually makes sense.
0: What? (sighs) Did I know that? Oh, my God, look.
1: That's another difference from Star Realms. You have no idea what's on top of the deck. super difference. Yeah, different from Ascension. Oh, good Lord.
0: I will say to your credit, Skip, you're making me like this way more than I liked it when we started (laughs) recording. Well,
1: I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I'm never going to solve your problems with the uh, with the funny symbols and funny drawings and so on. Uh, That that's just the way it is. But as far as actual play, maybe we can get somewhere.
0: Yeah, and and maybe there will be you know this is on a PC. Maybe there will be like a Steam Workshop mod where I can just completely black out the artwork. There you go.
1: Because
0: wouldn't that be awesome?
1: Uh, I. I would right. expect that if someone in Steam Workshop was to do anything with this, they'd probably just redraw it all.
0: Which they should do. I encourage any listeners to get <laughs> started on that. All right, so let's see. Get out these initiates, and uh, because I'm not. Oh, yeah, okay. Kill your stupid farm. All right, there. Two dead Waitley farms. Oh. These farms are jerks. It's true, um, they are. And I guess, let's see. The younger Waitley brother. Eh, yeah. Okay. Let's do that. Oh, shoot a monkey. I misclicked. Oh no, I didn't. No, I didn't. All right, there we go. All right. I now have. You might have the farms, but I have the younger brother working on All our right. side. Yeah, that's too bad because I him. Um, so here's the deal. If we were uh, like it, it makes no sense. It's goofy to talk about the narrative of this game in terms of I got a green. I got a purple. Well, I got a yellow. They should be faction names, like they should be, you know, the Cult of Cthulhu and Hastur and I don't know, make purple Shubniggurath or something.
1: I will not deny that that would make it uh, more thematic. Absolutely, yeah, it's not thematic to talk about Lovecraft as
0: green, yellow, and purple.
1: Yep, I think you, I think you are absolutely correct. Now, as a non. Initiate into the Lovecraftian mythos or whatever. It doesn't really matter to me, but I can see how it would be better for people who are. Yep. And that's one thing where, like Star Realms, they made up their own universe, right? <laughs> they just they just I made up their own back- stuff, so they could do whatever they yeah. wanted. With this, they had to actually, in some way, a- at least, uh, link into the Lovecraftian stuff.
0: And I like their Star Realms universe too. I mean, it's kind of genericy, but I like this idea of you know, there's a there's a organic blob race yeah. and there's these robot machine people and yeah. yeah
1: actually I mean I don't spend a lot of time you know reading the lore of Star Realms or anything but uh, but as you're playing through the campaign it's kind of interesting you're like oh yeah they're talking about going to this system and defending it or going to this other place and uh, uh, doing some bartering with the Trade Federation or whatnot. that's uh, yeah, it's kind of cool oh look
0: yeah I can't abjure the Miskatonic University it's, it's too big powerful. yep yep Yeah.
1: And most of the time, that's not that big a deal.
0: Right, right. Uh, let's see. Yeah, sweet. My Yeah, these ghasts are awesome for your... Uh, I guess it seems like ghasts are maybe counters to you having all they, these... Locations. Yeah, they
1: they destroy the location. Of course, they only work if you have another green, but since you have all those green stuff in there, right, it's, right, it's right. working out well for you. Now,
0: uh, all right, Skip, you may not know Lovecraftian mythos, but in the narrative of this game, explain to me... Why a ghast can destroy a location?
1: Yes, that's that's a good question. I'm <laughs> I'm guessing that they're just really good at knocking down walls.
0: <laughs> not that's not in the lore. It's completely not in the lore.
1: Maybe they just right, Maybe they uh, just let's... make you forget where the location is for a while. They, they screw, they uh, well, that's, okay, that, head, that would go right? in
0: with the, yeah the fact that you lose sanity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that might work. All right. So here's a little – like, is it better for me to buy two cheaper green cards or one more expensive roll? Yeah, and I think I'm doing the right thing in that I've decided it's better for me to load up on green cards to make it more common that I get green synergies yeah, going. Like, so rather than get one
1: powerful green, I got two cheaper greens. Yep. So it always depends, uh, but yeah. generally if you have a lot of others of that color, which like you've got the gas, right? So you definitely want to be drawing green cards so you can use that ability. Um, So in that case, it probably does make sense to get the the cheaper ones, whereas if you had just a few green cards maybe um, and didn't really care uh, about the synergies, then it might make sense to do it differently. Right. Now, you have the physical version of this? Uh, I do, and it was not easy. (laughs) Um, I I was actually on vacation traveling – through uh st louis uh my brother and i were going through there and we happened to run across a place that had it um if i hadn't run across that place then um i would not have it uh because because it's out of, it, it's it's hard well, to get the, hard my to local stores at least don't don't have it um I, i'm there may be some place that has it but it doesn't seem to be nearly as widespread like every place i go around here has star realms um but uh i have not seen Cthulhu realms in any of the stores around here couldn't you just like, – I could probably order it. Could, I could, could probably just, ask them to order it. Okay. Uh, sure I could have. Right. Um, but in this case, I mean, I already had it since I saw it when I happened to be in St. Louis. Uh, who goes
0: – why, why would someone go to St. Louis for vacation? No disrespect to any Missouri. We were on
1: our way through. We were actually going south of there to um, – oh, where was it? Arkansas. Branson, Branson, Missouri, which is right on the Arkansas border. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. Because my other brother lives in Texas, and so it was sort of a central location.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, another green one. So, I might lose this game, but boy, am I going to have a nicely tuned deck. will have all I the greens.
1: Yeah, when you've got the greens, you should be getting rid of all your uh, followers and stuff, right? So you're – or you should have the option, at least, of uh, getting rid of all Right, of right. Uh, yeah, I've
0: actually been having too much fun killing things in the single Oh well, Oh, okay. That's,
1: a, <laughs> that's another good use for them, yes. Uh yeah and I just I just do a bunch of locations. Um now if I just had something I could abjure. Oh look I do. That works out nicely. So I'll abjure this to do extra damage to you and draw more cards. All right, tell the truth.
0: Skip <laughs> Franklin, did you upon learning and and playing Cthulhu uh, Realms did you have to look up the word abjuration?
1: I okay, so I did not, but it had very little to do with uh, Cthulhu. I did not, and the reason I did not is because they actually used the term abjuration in the secret world. The, uh, oh. Uh, it it's yeah. used a couple of times in some of the quests there. So I knew what it was, but it had nothing to do with Cthulhu. <laughs> or I mean, the secret realm has a Lovecraftian sort of feel to it, um, but uh, but yes, they had actually used that word uh, in a couple of the quests there, so I knew what it was. Okay,
0: now, again, no, I don't mean any disrespect to any of our Missourians listening, but I don't know – along the lines of going on vacation in St. Louis, uh, reading the text in an MMO?
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, but in the secret world, a lot of times you don't read. A lot of now they have all that uh, – they all have the voiced um, NPCs. Right, right. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. Oh. With some cool oh. actors, by the way. If you're into actors like I am, like, I think they get like Stuart Gordon and yeah, stuff like that. I like Although I, I will say that I am one of those guys who reads a lot of the text in the MMOs. I don't go crazy and read like everything in Fallout or anything, but, uh, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll read most of the quests at least once.
0: Can you think of uh, another MMO where the quest text is as gratifying as it is in Secret World? <sighs> nope. you, not as I mean, what's another one where the, the text is worth reading?
1: Um, well, of course, I'm going to go back to City of Heroes because I loved that one. Um, but current ones that actually exist, um, you know, it's it, it's a little harder. Um, I'd say Guild Wars too, but that's really only true in the in the story, Living World oh. story missions. All the other things, yeah, 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 like yeah, eh, whatever. Why am I even? What do you mean the other ones? Um, well, when you're just running around a place and doing like you know, collect my pigs for me or whatever sort of. So, oh, oh yeah. see what you're like, just why, saying, Why right. would I read <laughs> any of this crap, right? Um, <laughs> right, right. But, but the but the actual Living World missions, it's it's it, I wouldn't call it great writing or anything, but it's uh it's amusing enough to uh to spend the time taking a look at. Yeah.
0: Uh, I will definitely on the cutscenes. I won't like wait for the voice actors to finish their lines, but I will skip through and read the text, the subtitles.
1: Oh, you know what? I, now I I need to answer that question a little better here because in Star uh-huh. Trek Online there actually are some pretty good. Pretty well missions that oh. are worth reading. Yeah, the, okay. um, there's a few of them that are that rival some of the actual show um, stories. Uh, I love
0: the space porn in Star oh, Trek Online. Absolutely. I love the different ships, and even as someone who's just really not into Star Trek at all, uh, man, do I love. The visuals in, in and absolutely. There's
1: one mission in particular where you go through this. I don't know what it's supposed to be. It's some like wormhole subspace or whatever thing, but it's it's got all these, um, all these great visuals of your ship flying through like what looks like a tunnel in space, and then uh, there's these other ships flying around. And you have to shoot them, and oh, there's there's some. They do some great things in that game. Yeah, it's still running, isn't it? They didn't. No, it's back, still going. They? Yeah, I just uh, I just rarely uh, log in and play it anymore.
0: But yes, it is. It's still to,
1: out there.
0: It's gone free to play. Like yeah, is it, is it, it did. It,
1: but yeah. when when it first came out, I bought one of the lifetime subscriptions. So as far okay, as I'm right. concerned, it's uh, just a regular MMO. I've never had to worry about any of the free to play stuff.
0: Uh, how do you feel about the away team mission stuff, like the the the, the, the ground combat? Stuff? So
1: I actually loved it, and I realize I realize oh. I'm in the minority here. Uh, a lot. Well, no, I was going to say, I, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I kind of liked it as a change of pace, and I didn't think it was it was awful. Yeah, yeah. And, and people people complain about it all the time. Um, by the way, you're dead. Uh, Wait, well, we're, what? No. Nope. possibly uh... insane, depending on how you
0: look at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, right, exactly. Yeah, I'm alive and kicking. I'm just in the Arkham Asylum now uh,
1: with uh, the Joker yeah, and, and all and those it was, people. It was so, the Relez that did it in. Um, because I had two of those, and I was able to discard a card, and so I drew two more cards, and those were good, and it just kind of snowballed from there. I just want to say
0: the the indignity I feel losing to someone who can't pronounce Roll Yet" and <laughs> "Necronomicon."
1: Uh, oh, I, here, it, it's, it, it's what happens when it's what happens when your baby becomes uh, mainstream, right? So this this is now this is now a, a game for people who are not into Lovecraftian stuff necessarily, right? Right. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, It's always funny to hear people who aren't into Lovecraft
0: struggling with all of those jammed together consonants. You know what? I feel
1: exactly the same way when I hear people talking about Lord of the Rings stuff. Um, who not who who, have, who are not really you know into it whatsoever trying to pronounce some of the elvish terms and so on. Now I'm I mean I don't speak elvish or anything like some real fanatics, um, but at least I know more or less how most of them are supposed to work. And so it's it's always interesting when you uh, get people who start talking about uh, what they saw in the movies, and it's like yeah that's not really how it actually is. But
0: can you give me uh, I I like to pretend I'm not really, but I like to pretend I'm a Tolkien geek. Uh, can you give me a test question that a real Tolkien geek would know? To, like, how would you suss out whether or not I'm really a, a Tolkien geek? You got? Well, there's a, uh, there, there's a lot of
1: options here, but here's, here's one that you, you probably know because I know uh, you're enough of a movie guy to know where the differences were. But this one for someone who has just seen the movies: if you ask them, tell me about uh, tell me about Firemere. Um, did he did he uh, take you know did he take the ring from Frodo um, did he uh, uh, when he found him in the wilderness uh, so here actually is uh,
0: I actually don't know the books that well uh, I I didn't care for the movies when they came out but I love the extended edition of the movies uh, and I especially love how much more it shows about Faramir and Boromir but I was always puzzled with Faramir letting Frodo just go like Faramir not having that draw towards the ring. Like why did Faramir act
1: that way in the movie? And I don't know the answer. I never understood that. So, so the reason, so first of all, in the books and the movies, Faramir is a very different character. Um, the the base is the same he's a less corrupt version of Boromir right he's his brother um, but he's not as uh, he's not as self-centered and he doesn't have as much of the corruption uh, that the that the ring gets a hold of in the books though he never takes frodo back to minas tir- or not minus tirith but uh um uh, osgiliath he never takes him back he never says oh i'm going to take you to my father Instead, when they're in, you know, when they're in the caves and uh, they're um, right. Uh, right underneath the shadow of Mordor and whatnot, Firemere actually lets him go there. He has, um, he's able to overcome the Ring's corruption at that point. In the movies, he doesn't do that, right? In the movies, they're in the cave, and he's like, oh, we have to take the ring back and give my father this this gift and so on. Um, And boy, to a Tolkien geek, that is just the worst, (laughs) the worst part about those movies. And there's a lot of other changes, but that one right there just, just grabs us. And we're like, oh, how could they do that to Faramir? Um, And part of the reason is because, exactly like you say, then later on you look at it and you're like, well, wait, why did later on he suddenly decide to let Frodo go? Well, yeah. it makes more sense if he does it right, right up front. Uh,
0: Skip Franklin, I have now accomplished my mission of making you understand how I feel <laughs> about the artwork in Cthulhu Realms.
1: I, I so. understand. I, I, I get where you're coming
0: from. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations on beating uh, me in uh, Cthulhu Realms. I just want to point out, though, that was an exhibition game. It did not count towards any tournament rankings or seeding or any other real-world Sportsy things. And,
1: just so And not folks only know. that, but you you have an extra win on your or a, or one less loss at least on your record for me having screwed up the uh, challenge earlier. So so you're in, oh wait that counts as yeah, a so win. Yeah, you're in great me. shape. Well, no, not really. All it did was <laughs>
0: offset me quitting the game against that other dude. So, there you go. yeah, At least I'm back. Yeah. All right. Well, Skip, thank thank you so much for uh, hanging out with me today. Are you on places like Twitter and stuff? Uh,
1: yeah, I have stuff. I don't I don't do a whole lot on there, but I'm there. So yeah, I'm uh, at. S1. Can I oh, guess? Sorry. At in no, oh, I'm, I'm not. not. You know why I'm not? Because somebody else actually had it. Believe it or not. That's the thing with the Internet. Everything's yeah, going to get taken. It, That's
0: the, the nature of the Internet is you're just going to have to stick a bunch of goofy numbers about, around something. Did, so what did you end up getting w- on Which I actually
1: did. So I am at S Franklin 1717 Because, of course, at Franklin <laughs> was also taken, right? <laughs> right, right, exactly, yeah. Uh, and uh, so you guys can find Skip there.
0: Uh, feel free to bombard him with complaints about the artwork in Cthulhu Realms. Uh, and ask him yeah. Tolkien geek, and about oysters. my
1: inability yeah. to figure out how to challenge people, and
0: also uh, tips on how to secure an iPad when you're transporting it with your board Absolutely. games. <laughs> uh, all right, thank you so much for uh, being here today, Skip. Uh, thanks for playing uh, Star. Actually, thanks for bringing me around a little bit more on, on Cthulhu Realms. Because seriously, I had a list of objections. Uh, and the only one I guess you didn't cross off was my, my harumphing about the artwork. Well,
1: I'm glad to hear it. it uh, it's an interesting game. It's fun to play as long as uh, you can put up with uh, the, the funny Cthulhu art. Yeah,
0: If I were to play with my eyes closed, it would be a perfectly cromulent <laughs> deck builder.
1: And I'm sure you'd do well with that. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah oh, boy, that, that'll help <laughs> me a lot. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thank you, Skip. Thanks for uh, the listeners. We will be back uh, next week with someone who... I've been eager to talk to for gosh, years uh, at least, I think. Uh, so there's a teaser. Join me for that. You can find me on Twitter at QT3. You can find me on the internet at quarterto3.com. Uh, and I've got a Patreon campaign. I would be much obliged if you check it out at patreon.com slash Chick. And I'll see everyone here next week. <laughs>